to the next best greatest 8-4 play podcast. I am your host, Mark Jesus McDonald, and you are here for the only podcast about Japan and games and Japanese <laughs> games. It's the only podcast. Just if we say period. it, it must be true. Um, <laughs> and uh, we have a pretty good show, as opposed to the last couple pretty, crappy shows. Pretty good show. Um, yeah, uh, ahead for you, uh, I think, at least today. Um we have a, uh, a special guest joining us, uh, but before we introduce him, uh, let's get through the regulars. Uh, to my right, that is uh, JJ Rippencrotch Epperson. <laughs> I knew this is coming. Um, I, I narrowly you avoided it. You don't have to explain it. that if you don't want to. We it's can just fine. leave I, that as I ripped my pants. I was sitting down, crisscross applesauce. That actually happened, and it ripped. Yeah, it did. And was it like a big? Crotch. Was it like a big, devastating? Like we can see your underwear rip, or was it just sort of like a? Well, you could see my heat tech. It was <laughs> a go to Uniqlo at lunchtime. It, yeah, <laughs> buy new pants. Yeah, wow. level. <laughs> it was uh, bad. You could, it, like, it how ripped. did that happen? Exactly. I don't know. They were just, I guess, older pants, not made very well. I like just sit down, like I said, crisscross applesauce. And right, did ripped. You lot. sat down uh, Indian style. Yeah. Oh, really? Or that's that's so. Is that racist? <laughs> yeah. JJ, is that we don't say that anymore, Mark. Okay. Um, you say the applesauce thing? applesauce thing every time. Uh, and back this week, standing uh, on the podcast desk. Um, I feel like the judge in Final Fantasy Tactics or whatever, Final Fantasy Twelve, whatever it is, the guy who's like, looking over the battle <laughs> and just basically from the sidelines. I have no idea what you're talking about, but that <laughs> is um, John Deep Hurting Ricky R. <laughs> um... Yes, so we kind of mentioned last episode that you were having some serious back problems. Right. And they remain to to be serious back problems. Right. But you're now going to physical therapy. You are standing. I'm standing. Because sitting is is very painful. Sitting is not fun. Do you want to explain for our uh, physical therapists in the (laughs) audience what the exact condition is that you have? Exact condition? I have a herniated disc, which... Some people will tell you doesn't really mean anything, but it actually like if you see the MRI pictures that came back, it's very very herniated. What do you mean? Some people will tell yeah, you it doesn't mean because anything. The, if you read up, Cheapy uh, Chibi D, friend of the show David Abrams sent me a book to read that was really interesting and enlightening about you know a lot of people will say there are these people out there who will say that like back problems are a lot of it are in your mind and all well that. some back pain right right yeah and uh, but you know one of them is like I, I guess there are some studies that show like actually most people have herniated discs. They just don't hurt. So, you know, then there's like, oh, it's just another guy with a herniated disc. So then you realize one day, oh, it hurts, and then it hurts forever, or? (laughs) No, no, it's not like that, but it's bad. It's bad. It's like it's very herniated, and it's pinching my nerve. It's like touching the nerve, which means that my leg is basically will just occasionally be in, like, super pain if I'm, like, sitting down or, Mm -hmm. you know, doing things that require physical effort on my back, so... Yeah, it's pretty rough. So it's, you're in the road, but you're on the road to recovery. Slowly, man. So I've had back problems for for like a long time, three or four years, but it's always been like one day, two days, and then you're better. This is like, I feel like probably like you know the, the guy on the on the pro sports team or something who's out for like six to eight weeks with the pulled hamstring, or whatever. Because like right. I literally like it's not it's getting better like one percent a day, like little by little. But right. It's not just like overnight thing. But you're exercising with a lot of tennis balls. Like tennis balls and little like I don't even know what you call them, little like glass. 
triangle things that like dig into your Sex muscles. Toys. <laughs> Those two. Um, um, yeah, yeah, doing stuff every day. Like I can only sleep on my back, which sucks because I like sleeping on my side. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know if I could do that. It's actually, rough. I can't sleep on my. But back. I will say, like, really? so I've had to do like the makeshift standing desk thing, kind of like I'm doing now, where I have like a table and on top of that a stool, yeah, and on top of that the Xbox One box, which is like finally I have a a, a reason to be happy that it's gigantic, and then my laptop on top of that. And uh, standing all day makes you so tired that by the time nighttime comes, I actually could probably sleep in any position because I'm so worn out. So Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we're looking at a standing desk. So if people have good standing desk recommendations, uh, although the big condition with that is we are in Tokyo. <laughs> right. Which apparently, like, standing desks haven't really hit here yet. They're kind yeah. of very... There's a few of them out there. Starting to. Super expensive. I feel like I read a report that Hitachi... They all used uh, standing desks at that really? company. I think you read a bullshit report. <laughs> really? Yes. Well, I'm I'll, pretty sure. I'll Google it up. See okay. If I can find yeah. it. Yeah. Google you mean it up. Dorito it. Uh, oh, yes. While right. you're there, Google up the Zubas, and uh, <laughs> maybe on the first results page, our uh, our next member of the podcast will pop up, <laughs> Mr. Roy Blakely. I'm just glad it's not techno related anymore. That's- yeah. Yeah, that's progress. So Please you didn't know what Zubas? I didn't, were, and I don't think I did before this past week. But um, I don't. I don't know what Zubas are. Really? Nope. I'm sure you've seen them. Zub- just, okay. You didn't know they had a name. They were okay. big. In the, they describe, were big in the 90s. Right? Describe what they are. Yes, they're baggy pants that uh, usually have like patterns of the Bengals football team. Oh, I think this is like a regional <laughs> thing because oh. be- because we had those pants but we called them something else. I actually don't remember what we called them but we didn't well, call Zubaz them Zubaz. Well, Zubaz is a brand name. Yeah. I see. And it was a brand name that, yeah, I think it was in the 90s, came to prominence. A lot of wrestlers and... Uh, <laughs> yes. Wait, is this like the MC you, Hammer pants or you, is this different? Usually accompanied by uh, fanny packs. They're kind <laughs> of like MC Hammer yeah, pants except they, they almost always, and I don't know if it's a, a, a requisite to be Zubaz, but they almost always have a zebra type yeah. uh, pattern, or or the Bengals, or like lightning bolts, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Bengals is kind of a zebra right. striped pattern. But we uh, had a guy we used to work with. He used to wear those all the time. A friend uh, uh, back in the Zip days. Who? Yeah, uh, Howard. Our, uh, Grossman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? He was big into the the Bengal stripes. No things. kidding. <laughs> Uh, also into the bangle stripe. No, actually, a better segue into uh, into our, our special guest is that um, John was reminding me stacking up boxes and stuff like that. How tall is our, our special guest exactly? What do you come in at? Six foot ten. Six foot oh, ten. Yeah. Okay. How did that happen? And a, uh, not only a giant in the real world, but a giant in the world of localization. Uh, if you listen to us, our podcast, you probably heard us talk about him before. A uh, guy who's worked on everything from Vagrant Story to Phoenix Wright, Final Fantasies 8, 10, and 12. A lot of the good ones, actually. You kind of managed to get around to some of the stinkers. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, upcoming uh, Kickstarter, which we're going to talk about as well. A Kickstarter going on right now, Unsung Story, that is a friend of the show, Mr. Alex O. Spoonie Bard Smith. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you on for the first time. Yeah, happy to be here. We have a lot of stuff to talk about uh, with you, especially in terms of local, in terms of localization and stuff like that. Um, you know, just even your past uh, history, some of those things that I mentioned, and a bunch more. 
Um, you've done a bunch of book work too. You got the Mento books and um, voice acting. Even you guys were pulling out some of the <laughs> winter heat. Um, winter heat for Sega Saturn, the best right. Winter Olympics game of all time. That was a great game. It was. I remember it getting really high review scores. We scored it actually. high on EGM. I yeah, remember. Yeah. I think it was probably and in like EGM. all the characters were like these ridiculous stereotypes. Wait, didn't they change the black guy or something? There was some. There was some <sighs> stereotype with him where he got changed in one of the versions or something. I or don't remember. Like, I'm guessing if it was originally. A Japanese game, right? right. <laughs> like the thing, kinds of things. The things I remember most are the the Russian guy was like just like a total cartoon character. He's like, I am from Russia, <laughs> and then and when you selected, wait, that was you. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, I was the Russian guy. Wait, 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 are you serious? JJ imitating it. You give yeah. us yeah. No, no, Russian no, guy. Do you I, have I, any I, of that? I'm not gonna do this. You gotta <laughs> give us something. You gotta give us something. Like, oh, is where is vodka? Or, I mean, <laughs> where is vodka? You must remember some of the yeah. quotes from the from the game. I think the only one that I remember was a ripoff from Goldeneye. Okay. Which is the end where the guy goes, I am invincible, and then, and then he gets destroyed by that. And then when you selected a character, like in the character select screen, every time you uh, you know move the cursor, it would go, hey, hey, hey. And then when you selected a character, it would go, uh-huh. Like, I was not that guy. In, so, the, in the different character's voice or just no, the same just voice? just the same voice. So it was like, hey, hey, uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah, and that was, but that was not you, Alex? No. I wish it was. was. Wait, how did that happen? I thought you were kidding. You, you really were a voice actor during that game yeah yeah i was a uh the way that it happened was i was in the sega offices here in tokyo and i was white <laughs> okay. i heard that happened a lot That's like let's have the like for virtual fighter 3 or something like jeffrey's voice was just some random like a uh, dude that worked at tower records who was black really they're like hey you're you've got dreadlocks like jeffrey <laughs> <laughs> you're perfect yeah, I want to meet whoever the guy. Look, one guy did all the voices for the old SNK games. Do you know like, the voice, the guy that I'm talking about? Like, no, all really. Old Neo Geo games is like one guy's voice, and then like one of the secretaries who must have taken a trip to America in high school or something <laughs> did a bunch, did some of the voices as well. So it was like two voices in all those old oh SNK games. I'd really love to oh, man. meet that guy sometime. But um, so did did you work on that game as well, like translating? And they pulled you into the you just were, you were just no. I, I think I got in at the the end, the very end of okay. that practice in okay. the game industry here in Japan for for the better. Right. And the uh, I was uh, there in the Sega offices here just for two months, I think, on an internship from oh. grad school. Oh wow! Oh, no okay. kidding. Yeah, from grad school from from I was in a. Where? Classical Japanese. In oh, someplace what? in Boston. I don't Just even know. Drop it. Know. Drop that H bomb. Harvard. Go. Boom. Because oh. it was easier to get into. Wow. Than the other place. Just let that settle. <laughs> it was easier to get into the other. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So I want to talk. Uh, I actually want to talk more about that and all your history and everything. But um, let's start off top of the show real quick. What have people been playing? Um, why don't I start? Because I think I'm playing the most relevant game. Really? Yeah, you guys are all playing like weird shit. What are you playing? Um, like Kirby? <laughs> don't Starve. Don't Starve. Oh, don't starve. okay. I'm playing Don't Starve. Yes. Yeah, so I downloaded it, and uh, it's free on uh, PSN Plus on PS4 for people who who mm. don't know. Um, also available on Steam. This is like the console version or whatever. It's exclusively right now on PS4. Mm. 
Um, are you guys familiar, kind of, with the basic setup? Because I didn't know... I had just heard when I was in Seattle a bunch of other game developers talking about it. And I had seen the presentation, I think we talked about it briefly last week, at E3. They were on stage right. at Sony with all the other indies. They showed like 10 seconds. Oh, that was like, the, that's the first game of that stage that actually came it, out, right? Oh, I, I mean, like of the yeah. ones that were... Okay, I think okay. so. Aren't you like in the, in the woods like, yeah. and you're just it basically trying like, to survive? Chopping down a tree, I was like... Uh, okay, <laughs> like, and then it like popped on in the next game. Like, it's not a, a game that shows great in like a five right. second showcase, but uh, basically, yeah, it is a, I think what the kids like to call a roguelike, mm-hmm. yes. I believe hmm. is the term for it. Um, but yeah, it's a survival thing, kind of. It has a really, it's kind of like a drawn um, pencil art style to it. Um, pretty interesting character designs to everything, like a weird sense of humor. There's like the, you know, pigs play a prominent part in the game, like pigs that walk around and... Um, Walking pigs. Uh, yeah, it's its, it's you know, own those. weird little world, but you're basically dropped into it with no explanation at all, um, even to the menus or anything. You're just completely on your own, as you are in the game, which I think is actually kind of a cool uh, deal, and you are slowly gathering items... Uh, putting them together to make new items, uh, gathering food. You have like a sanity meter, a stomach, and a uh, health meter. And those three things, if any of them run out, you basically die. So, how, how do they run out? By like, move, is it like uh, real games where like if you move, you, your stuff all moves as well? Basically, like time passing. So, time passes, but I mean, different things affect different things. So, time passing, you get more hungry. And, you know, you get attacked, you lose health. Sanity, you lose... Uh, I don't know, actually, even all the rules of, of how you lose sanity. But, like, if you don't sleep ever, you, you lose sanity mm. at night. If you don't have, like, a, a good bright light source, you make, like, a wreath, like, a, a garland or whatever. Like, a little hat of twi- of flowers, and that makes you happy. That, like, b- restores <laughs> some sanity to your life. That works in real life. Right? So. Yeah. Dennis, I mean, Dennis, that's, I you know, that. of course, that's only natural. But, um... You know, interesting part about this game, I mean, it's basically like, okay, you're walking around, you walk up to grass, a button thing appears that says gather. Okay, I'm going to gather it. Um, Then you walk over and you see a rock and you pick up the rock and then ding, like a little thing on the menu goes off. And it's like, okay, wait, something must be happening on that menu. So you open up the menu and now you can use the grass and the rock or actually the twig and the rock to make an axe and then Mm. you can use the axe to chop down trees and then the trees give you logs and you can use logs with the rocks to do this and do that and so it compounds on itself um in a lot of really interesting ways and has that kind of uh inscrutable on on the surface uh, you know it's not hand holding you at all it's not explaining itself to you at all mm. it's all up to you to figure it out but mm. it also works in a lot of logical ways for example i'm walking around picking up carrots 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 and eventually with some straw and twigs you can make like a, a trap like a like a lean like a leaning trap um where you know the twig falls and the trap falls on something and there's a lot of rabbits around but anytime i run up close to one uh, it runs away, and like it seems obvious now as I'm telling the story, but I'm I mean I'm gathering like 20 different things, pine cones and leaves, right, and right. there's birds and there's all kinds of crap. But it's like, oh well, wait a second, like I'm gonna drop a, a carrot and gonna drop a trap, and sure enough, the rabbit comes over to the carrot and the trap falls, and then now you got a rabbit that you mm. can kill or cook, and 
so it starts off kind of this seemingly kind of simple, really straightforward survival thing. But then as you're walking along, the world is procedurally generated, like randomly, basically oh, so generated. You're, you're, you're traveling, basically. You're not like in, in one place for a long you're, time. You're walking around everywhere constantly. But then, but then you know, you might make a tent and, or and a campfire, which you want to return to, you know. Um, so there's kind of a balance of... Well, I've burned or used all the resources around my tent, so now I need to stake out to new ground. But I'm going to go back there because that's my home base kind of mm. thing. So there's kind of an interesting dynamic there. Um, it's a really hard to describe game. I don't know if I'm doing it justice at all, but I mean, basically you're just trying to... I don't even really know what the point is so far. It sounds a bit like early Minecraft where survive. you're just going out getting things and just trying not to be killed by zombies. Well, th- there is like some kind of narrative to it, though. It's oh, okay. like very lightly, like a guy appears at the start and is like, ha, 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 goodbye. And I'm like, I, who are you? Who am I? What's going on? But but I think that, again, that's part of it. So it's slowly unfolding, slowly showing yourself. And I've been listening, you know, other people and other podcasts and seeing people on the net. A lot of people just don't get it. And I think mm. a lot of people won't get it. I mean, I think a lot of people are trying it because it's free on PS Plus. Right. Mm. But, I mean, it's... It yeah, you're making me want to try it. explain itself at all. But it, it, there is that sense of discovery and there is also that like just even going around and picking up rocks and twigs and stuff as lame as that sounds is kind of fun and addictive it's like oh and more and more and more and you know i now i can build this and now i can build that um i'm all for more games that don't hold your hand though because after playing link between worlds i feel like that's all and dark souls of course like that's all i want from now on is games that don't like i just drop me in and let me figure it out well you would Hmm. definitely appreciate what happens if you die like if you die do you lose everything and start over yep that's oh, so you don't? There's no progress at all. Like you don't carry over anything if you die. No, not any. No, kind you of can unlock. Or? So you make. So depending on how long you live, I think is the only criteria. You earn points that unlock other characters that you can play as. I see other characters that have different powers. What kind of powers do they have? Uh, the only one I've unlocked was a girl that uh, is like immune to fire or something oh. like mm. that. Um, and fire is kind of a big part of the game because right. it keeps you light at night. Like the first time in the game, it turns night. You don't know that you like. I should really have a torch or a campfire or something, and you just get killed pretty much immediately. Mm. So it's like, oh, I guess I need to figure out a light source. What do like wolves just come out and eat? Just you, like, eyes appear in the darkness, and then just boom, boom, boom. You start taking damage, damage, dead. Like oh. it's like pretty much that fast. I see. Mm. But it's that kind of game where you learn from dying, and you see something new. You see like crazy stuff, and there's like a you know kind of these alien things there or there's like a, a a wormhole in the ground and you're like i don't know if this is going to kill me or what this is going to do but i'm going to kind of risk it and you are really risking something because that's your whole game right that said there are ways for you to uh, that i just discovered by accident there are ways for you to get kind of basically a continue but you have to earn it mm-hmm. so you know it's like spelunky in that way it's like you can earn these kind of shortcuts but mm. you are starting the beginning cycle of the game over and over but every time you're learning right new stuff um but you know I, I have to say i'm really enjoying it it's it's a time commitment it actually takes a bunch of time and i'm not even that far into it i think winter is coming i think winter comes <laughs> winter is as coming. they say yeah um Season winter four, comes April. i think it makes it a whole another new weird game it's very it is very difficult it's not easy going right. so you have to enjoy that kind of game but hmm. definitely if you have a ps4 you should have ps plus so there's no reason not to try it so I'd encourage people to at least download it, kind of give it a shot, and see it's see if it's for you. Um, well, I'll check it out. Yeah, it's the kind of game where it's like I want to look at people talking about it and a fact, but I'll, at the same time, I don't want to look at that because 
I think that's a big part of the game is kind of uh, that kind of stuff. I wish more of you guys were playing it because I feel like I could talk to other people about it and I would be okay learning about right. it that way. Mm. But I don't want to just go on a message board and see like, oh, well, you, what you have to do is like, right, make right. this, then make that. then you know, I almost got it during the Steam sale during winter, but I knew I was going to get, I mean, I'm getting a PS4 next month and that would be <clears> one of the games. Hopefully I'll be getting. You're going to get it. You're going to get it at launch. You already have yours pre-ordered, right? Yeah. Okay. So and and like, Wait, JJ, have, do you have a USPS account? I do. And so I just have... download it now. Oh. So you get it for free. Oh. Like that, cool. you know, you can do that on the on the internet. Go on the web, log in on the website, and just get that game. So it's yours. No shit. And then when it comes out, <sighs> I should you have done that with Resogun. Yeah. 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 Oh well. Okay. Wait, is Resogun not free anymore? I don't know. Oh. I don't think so. No, I think it was the game of the month, and I think oh. this is now the game of the month. Wow. wow. Yeah. Speaking of Resogun, John, weren't you playing? I did. I started. I started playing. I starting to understand it more. It's. I love that game for the same reasons because it doesn't tell you anything, and you have to just figure it out as you play. A lot of people. I've heard that as a complaint from a lot of people. No, that's what games are. I grew up on those games, right? We. I mean, we all did right. probably in this room, but I mean, to me, that's like normal. I want to be. I want to like enjoy a game enough to figure out the mechanics on my own. It's weird because it looks simple, but there's actually a lot to it. There have been some better videos recently actually explaining more of it. But, right. Um, I mean, I feel dumb even talking about it because I'm still at probably like, the, I've only, I'm at the base level of you're understanding. You're at like Nick Sutner, like, like low level. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think my high score is only in the single digit millions at this point. Like I haven't gotten much at all. Like I probably got like three okay. or four million or something. But like I, you know, obviously the first thing you learn as you play more and more is multiplier is everything. Always keep it going, right. right? But then the next thing you learn is like you start to learn how picking up humans works and like what it does and like what the, what the triggers are to, to like why you should do it and, and all that. Like that stuff, none of that is explained. They right. just say save the humans. Like, yep. well, how and when and why <laughs> and where, you know, none of that is told yep. to you. So that's pretty little by little these things come to light and that's really fun. So yeah. I'm going to play that more for sure. You've been um, in a lot of pain and therapy. So probably <laughs> have you been playing anything else? Uh, Dark Souls, which is another kind of pain. I actually picked that back up just Good. this past week because I want to try to finish it before two. Me too. It was very disorienting just kind of getting back into like, what are the controls again? Where am I? I kind of forget what's going on. If you need help, just ask me. Cool. Dark Souls is still the greatest game. It is so so good. Yeah. I finally beat Ornstein and, and Smo. The like law finally, Snoo. I had to. I had to. Uh, I had to summon not only the useless Solaire but also a human. Nothing and then, wrong with that. Uh, Nothing yeah, that was the first no time. In that. And now I'm in the process of. Um, I went to the Duke's archives and did a bunch of stuff there, but I didn't beat the boss and I left. And now I'm in the process. I'm going to go in the painted world, but first I'm. Um, basically farming souls to upgrade my armor as much as i can to like mm-hmm. i have the silver knight set on and i'm gonna get it to like whatever the max is but that means like eight thousand souls to buy a uh whatever this i don't know what they're called right. in english the, do, the you shiny really, uh, do you really want to do that yeah yes. i was gonna say why are you doing it's that? great because it feels good like i feel like i'm making progress finally after six months oh. of like basically not going anywhere because i couldn't beat that boss so you're gonna go into the painted world you've looked all that up you've got the stuff I have the doll that I need. I went yeah. back and and I couldn't beat the boss back there, but I did get the doll at least. And then so yeah, I'm ready to go and I want to go. And you know, I know you're stuck there once you go, but I haven't read anything about it. And I I tend to try to play the game without reading about it. Right. I only read about it after the fact or if I'm like super stuck. Yeah. More often, I'll like message JJ and be like, should I do this or should I do that yes. or whatever. So uh, I love that game. You guys all saw friend of the show, Epic Name Bro, yeah. talking about yeah. Dark Souls Two. I guess we can talk about that now. Yes. That, uh, he's helping work on the guide. Which is also from uh, friends of the show at Future Press. Yep. Um, that should be a good guide, hopefully. The, their Dark Souls 1 guide was pretty good. 
but more it's a nice collector's item. It's a nice collector's nice item, but I never item. used it only because like day one the info was outdated. That's right. the problem with these kind of games is they patch them for right. balance. And but then at it's the like, start of the game, it should be you know useful. Yeah. For it something. should have some good stuff about the lore, which and yeah, actually, so yeah, so and and more more importantly, more excitedly is just that uh, the game you know Epic Name Road and talked specifically much about Dark Souls 2 but did just say that he prefers he it, it to the lot. first yeah game, and there's some people on Gaff who also apparently worked on it who are also saying it's better than Dark did you guys Souls see 1. the new trailer the new trailer is so good yeah. like, it's so exciting it, I don't think I'm uh, going to yeah. I think I'm going to save myself I've, 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 so I've seen the, the, the leaked achievements and I've seen the leaked what uh, area list that doesn't Jay that doesn't Mr. really yes, it does he likes being it, ruined. it yes, doesn't it does Dark yes, Souls is, an ex- is a, a complete experience that can't be ruined by a few sentences. <laughs> Not true. All right, well, we could, we could talk about Dark Souls forever, but we should keep moving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> JJ Nidhogg. Nidhogg. You were playing in the office a little bit today. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of laughing. Yes. A lot of uh, joy, apparently. You you love it? Yeah. It's a game about two ga- two colored dudes with swords. Yeah, why are you going to talk like that? It's 2014. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, when I say colored, that one is yellow, one is orange. Yeah, well, I'm surprised they went orange and yellow. I don't like know. Red and blue, wasn't they're, it? They're in single player, you fight all sorts of colors. Okay. Um, and We've talked about it on the show before, but yeah. um, so how does it live up to what your expectations were? So, you know, when I purchased the game, it was kind of a disappointment because the controls were fucked up. Um, but eventually uh, they've fixed the controls and it plays perfectly. The only problem now is that online multiplayer is a little rough. Really? What's wrong with it? It's just you can't really find a lot of people to play with. Like me and Cheapy were able to play for a long time, but yeah. like Cheapy was telling me, and, and I experienced this by playing with him, is that like eventually you'll just get cut off in the middle of a game for no reason. You oh, mean really? dropped? Yeah, just dropped. Hmm, like sent why? back to the screen. Just I, I Nobody knows. Hmm. Was he kicking your ass, by the way, Chibi? He was, but he had played the whole day. He had he had experience on He's me. He's got nothing to do all day but play <laughs> Nidhogg, I know. bastard. And, uh, but, like, they've been updating the game a lot, so I think that eventually multiplayer will be fixed as well. It's just a really fun game. It's very funny just to watch and, like, you know. It's fun. It is fun just to watch, I will say. Um, it, it's a lot like, it looks a lot like that other game that you guys were playing a couple of weeks ago. The Samurai Gun. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a similar kind of game, isn't it, basically? Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's a one-hit kill. Simple, yeah, that's true. It's a simple one-hit kill multiplayer right. with the, surprising depth. Right. The point of Nidhogg is to get to the other side, basically. Like, right. you start in the center of a stage. And you have to run to the very opposite end and get eaten by what I think is the the Nidhog. Oh, like is that where the Nidhogg? Oh, is that the thing that looks the, like the, the, the big phallic? Like yeah, the flesh-colored <laughs> that's where uh, people worm dragon. Eat that dick yeah. before they or get that dick. Oh, get that, get that dick. dick. All right, sorry. Um, <laughs> and he it's like dick eating you, I guess technically. <laughs> right. And I actually I saw this com- uh, this fan-made comic that kind of explained it really well. It's like these two guys are locked in this situation where they have to keep killing each other. And the only way they can really die is if the dragon comes down and eats them. Oh, so that's why they're... That's why. I thought it was like an ironic comment on, like, victory in video games and how yeah. pointless and maybe, fleeting maybe, maybe. it was. I like but, my version better. Yeah. <laughs> I but can't really make that into a comic, you, you get to, You get to the other side. Yeah. The worm flesh colored dragon so you're killing a you. guy and then you just like run you you know you gain a little ground in his direction yeah and he'll and respond it's like a tug of war basically yeah. almost in and a you way. can you can you don't have to kill them you can like jump over them or right. do whatever run just run past them yeah what is the other guy faster than you how does somebody no. catch up with you uh you like if someone if 
if someone, if someone gets past, past you, you without dying, yeah. you just run the opposite way and you'll respawn. Uh, you're like oh, okay. basically see, you're committing yeah. you're committing suicide. I see. I see. Um, cool. Um, so um, and then totally worth the eleven dollars. Star Fox sixty four. Star Fox sixty four. I got for free because man, that deal was really good. I got two games yeah. for free too. What two games? Uh, I mean, I had everything I wanted, so I got the painting game. I forgot what it's called. It's, like, really popular, actually. The one where you can, like, they teach you how to draw, like, these awesome paintings. It's popular in the U.S., too. I I forgot the name. I gave that to my girlfriend. And they got called a set. Yeah. Basically, buy, like, two Nintendo 3DS games, get one free from, like, a list of games. From the list of, like, the popular fall games, or? No, it was, was, like, a bunch of games that most people probably already have. Ocarina of Time, Pilot Wings, Star Fox. back that far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But still, I mean, there was enough stuff in there that I ended up getting two games I didn't already own, so. That's cool. Yeah, so I got Star Fox 64, a game that I had never played before. What? Yeah. Quick um, one sentence review. What do you think? One sentence review. My son loves it. <clears throat> Dude, that game know. is so good. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, no, it's, it's actually it's fun. Review. Like, I, honestly, like it's probably not in my top five 3D shooters. Like treasure games, pretty much take most of those places. Right. Um, but it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's I don't like the free roaming stuff. It's a good review. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty day. cool. You don't Dude, like, it's Star Fix sixty four. You like, don't like the. I think you, I think I most people have made up their minds. I was looking for some kind of new insight now after like you know eighteen yeah, years know. or whatever. Um, wait, what was the the other thing you just mentioned just now? Um, uh, that Kirby. Yeah, Kirby. Kirby, Kirby looks good. Triple Deluxe. Kirby Triple Deluxe. Which I always want to call cri- Triple Double, just because it sounds close to Triple Double. Why not? Yeah. So, like, I have a history on this podcast with Kirby games. <laughs> um, this An cur- ugly, sorted. Yeah. yeah. This, this Kirby doesn't really change the Kirby. Like, it's still a game for five-year-olds. Okay. Uh, it's still really easy. Later in the game, it gets sort of difficult, but, like... Honestly, like my son has gotten the the fifth level on his own, and he's only two, almost three. Is he using the three D a lot? I, I saw yes. like a movie that seemed like it was using so graphically in and, in and out of the yeah, screen. Yeah, you go in and out, um, and like just in general, like it uses a lot of foreground and background. So if you play the game with three D on, it's very like visually impressive. Mm, really? Yeah, it's it's really cool, and like some of the new power ups, you get like a beetle power up, which is pretty neat. Um, but like it doesn't really do much to change up the Kirby formula. Uh, the music's good. Some of the mini games they have a, a fighting, which is basically like Smash Brothers with just Kirby, and really? and like each each transformation is a character basically, and you play for you know four player Smash Brothers style hmm. uh, fighting. And then there's a rhythm game where you play as uh, King Day Day Day, and like you bounce on these drums um to get points and any good in, or yeah it's pretty good i mean it's not like the the best rhythm game ever but the game looks really polished i got it too yeah. i just haven't had really time to play it yet you you complained in the past about kirby games being too easy right yes. so would you say that this one is there a lack of a challenge so much so that it impacts your enjoyment of the game or is it just i'm bored you are yeah it's too easy yeah but the thing about i think about you're bored difficulty-wise, yeah. but the gameplay variety is there or not? Not really. Like, it does feel like I'm just going through these very basic platforming stages. So it feels like for somebody younger than you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. which is why I'm, I like, on previous episodes, I've talked about Kirby 
And like, I just, I'm like, whatever, this is for babies. But now that I actually have a baby to play it with, right. I'm, I'm enjoying it with him. Like, okay. It's, it's finally a game that's like on his level. Like he's been playing all sorts of other games that are right. not on his level. He, right. He's been like kind of making his way slowly. Call of Duty. Struggling. Yeah. Dark yeah. Souls. Like, you know, Nintendo Land and mostly Nintendo games. Like Mario, for instance, is like way too hard for him. But Kirby is like easy enough that he can make progress right he's not getting like all the stars and all that stuff but he can make it through a level no problem he can beat bosses hmm. cool how old's your son he's almost three he'll be three in two weeks Sweet. wow yeah. um so oh wow really two yep. weeks wow that's coming up um, anything else you've been playing uh, basically no. it, huh? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Roy, you went through some trials to be playing, <laughs> which you've been playing. <laughs> yes, past week you basically boot camp, bootstrapped your boot camp to get Daisy working on your Mac it did. laptop. It did. It was Finally, successfully. Yes. If I weren't on vacation, I would not be wasting this kind of time doing this. Which sure. and you never, you never played Daisy before. No, I've never you just heard about it, mm-hmm. seen it, mm-hmm. had friends mm-hmm. recommending it. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I think I, we might have talked about this on the show, but a long time ago. Um, do you want to give people kind of a very brief primer on on what exactly Daisy is? So um, Daisy, it started out as a mod for this game called Arma. Yeah. Which Arma I, Two. Arma Two. Arma Two. I know very little about it. I just know that it was like kind of laughed about because it was kind of a horrible game yes yeah um and then somebody came along somebody i i wish i knew the person's name i think his name's like rocket he worked at the studio that puts out i don't even know what their name is arma 2 but yeah so he came up with a with like a patch or patch of mod mod, basically yeah Yeah. i'm new to all this pc lingo (laughs) but it's probably obvious but he came up with a mod where it's like a very realistic kind of survival situation right. type game. It's like oh, a I person remember talking about this. And... Yeah, maybe with GPD or something. It's a persistent world mm-hmm. in which you live in it and other people <laughs> do too mm-hmm. and you're fighting over resources, basically. Right, yeah. and it's like, and you know, like, but it's within this, this shooter uh, client, this right. shooter like, yeah, game, yeah. so you get shot in the head and you are dead. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, it's like Call of Duty style or a right. Rainbow Six style or yeah. whatever. And you start so, with a brand new character. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we knew, we have a friend who, I guess I won't say who it is because he works in a, like a video game publisher, but who played this game, who talked to me about it for a long time and really sold it. I mean, really, I was like, holy shit, this game sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the graphics are not great. No, not at all. And there's all kinds of bugs and problems yes. or whatever, but <laughs> it gives you this crazy amount of freedom to have... Um, all of these uh, kind of emergent gameplay situations. Mm. He basically had been living for so long and had such badass gear that he like lived on the top of a mountain with a sniper rifle, <laughs> and he would send like his friends. Whenever he played the game, he was super paranoid about getting killed because you get killed, that's it, you're dead. Yeah, yeah, and somebody yeah. takes your shit, mm-hmm. and so and you can't trust anybody in this world yes. um, because people will kind of pretend to be your friend and then shoot yeah, you. Yeah, it the really head. is like a post-apocalyptic situation. 
situation right. in that way. Right. Mm. Um, and uh, so he would basically sit up on his mountaintop with a sniper rifle, have two friends go out to anyone that he was going to, you know, interested in or talking with or even searching a situation. He would just kind of be overwatching the whole thing with his sniper rifle. And then, you know, if they got killed, they were only like, you know, kind of scrubby people. Mm, right. And so they would respawn and then he would give them, you know, some like not sh- super shitty gear, but just yeah. kind of shitty gear yeah. as like way of payment. And, but they would kind of go and do his bidding. So they're kind of like his gang, his kind of underlings. His bebop and mm. steady. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And he was kind of the overwatch, just like, you know, but, and he could snipe at any time to kind of help them out and stuff like that. But he would send them out for, you know, food, I guess. You have to yeah, worry about food yeah. and that You're kind of shit constantly game. constantly and, dying either from thirst or hunger or I've broken my legs and when that happens all you can do is like crawl around on the floor and groan (laughs) Um, can you kill yourself is that possible in the game no put a gun to your head and well you can respawn at any time through like the menu okay um but i think we right now did you you just jump from too high of a place yeah yeah it it doesn't take very much to break your legs Mm. also i think that there's still some bugs well obviously there's bugs being worked out because it's like an alpha or beta or something it's it's an early access yeah it was available for a long time and then just recently went on sale on steam well this is like a yeah it's like a standalone right now right Right. now it is and then it it's doing like gangbusters it's doing really well it was like number one during the steam sales and it wasn't even on sale wow so it's old but it's new at the same time it's kind of in a weird Mm -hmm. spot but yeah but the super ultra realistic super ultra kind of punishing Mm -hmm. but how are you finding it any any special adventure stories you want to tell us um well i'm still kind of post-apocalyptic getting, world <laughs> i'm still getting used to the whole um server situation like the way it works is when you sign into a server it has a certain refresh rate that's like yeah unique to the server and sure, um, your pin and that decides like how um how many how the items refresh so I, I had one character that got loaded into a game that was already like picked clean like there was nothing i was going through buildings not finding a damn thing and that really sucks um so some people they server hop and they just like try to find ones uh, with not a lot of people and I didn't know that so I was just like playing in this desolate empty world <laughs> just like slowly dying and that that sucked. Sounds like um, a great yeah, that's a sad game. Great game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the but one then time you figured it out or you... yeah, well, see that's the thing. Different characters have better luck than others. Like I, one of my first characters for whatever reason was loaded into a game with like a whole lot of shit, very few other players. So I got some good supplies and I, I made it to like a really far city that i actually haven't been able to make it back to yet you're not choosing um, your server when you yeah start I, I did but like oh. it's just a bunch of numbers and words that i don't right. understand right, right or at least right. it was then so um, when you said you made it to a city that you couldn't get back to aren't you mm-hmm. don't you spawn randomly in the world yeah you there's like two different starting points oh, and okay. Um, oh, okay um you start with like nothing uh but there's certain cities or locations that have really good supplies mm. and um you can kind of navigate by like the um the stars and there's also the maps and a compass um but like if you just use your head you'll see railroad tracks and be like oh railroad tracks probably go somewhere oh, important a city or, or something yeah Interesting. same with power lines like follow power lines that's pretty cool so that sounds fun, one yeah. thing about this game is the, what i've heard is like basically if you if you see another player you're either dead or you've got to yeah, kill him. Yeah. Have like you I've, met a single person, like a single uh, person who has been helpful or the only people not I met trying to kill you? The only people I met who didn't kill me didn't have the means to kill me. 
Oh, is there uh, no incentive to help people? There should be. I mean, there, I, yeah. supposedly there That's will be, point. but right now it's just like it's like you know the lawless wild west. <laughs> I feel basically. like though, like with this game, like if people just got together and were like, "Hey, why don't we not kill each other for a while?" It yeah, might be man. more fun. But like, then, but then there's share always share your shit. Yeah, and Jay, get a group, get a like gang the together. Games. No religion. <laughs> <laughs> But what if there's yeah, always yeah, why, like, why don't we why don't we be other? friends like share shit and then like start a gang? I think you need to start a server. Start a gang. Yeah, I start think you a need gang. to start JJ's peaceful Daisy server. <laughs> we'll call, yeah, we'll call it the Daisy server. There you go. Um, Daisies. Daisy for Daisy. So, but uh, but you're still playing it? Are you into it? Um, I mostly play it on the weekends because weekdays is just a little too stressful. You know? oh, okay, yeah. A, uh, yeah. So. Um, that's one of my things with Dark Souls is it's not a like oh I'm just gonna pop on for like 20 minutes right now exactly. and just like relax and where it's like alright fuck am I ready for this like yeah, alright yeah, here we yeah, go yeah. Like, I, have, I have to have two or three hours or something like that I, you know you have to brace yourself um, funny glitch in the game apparently that people have been talking about is you can just touch a ladder and die like you'll just try to climb up it and Dang, it's ladders, like man, dangerous. real life it happens sometimes <laughs> this, I mean, ladder, poison ladders people yeah. spontaneously combust you know I mean the odds are against it but yeah. it does happen um, speaking of spontaneously combusting let's get to our <laughs> let's get to our special guest I, I don't know yeah. um, it's a segue um, Alex this is your life um <laughs> No, but seriously, let's uh, let's go back and start with the start. We get a lot of people actually asking on the podcast for us to talk more about kind of what we do and localization and stuff like that. And, um, you know, you're one of the guys very well known, really well respected in uh, in this industry and really worked on a lot of really well known games, um, games really well known for their localization, especially even early on, like at times when localization wasn't really known about or respected or stuff like that but you know like vagrant story came out a lot of people were like oh actually the story can add something to a game and um and you know as the final fantasies got kind of better with their localization people became more kind of cognizant of it and and uh and sophisticated in how they judge it so um so you're we talked earlier about you had an internship you were studying classical japanese literature at Harvard. Uh-huh. And so when you were doing this, were you like, I'm going to do this so I can get into the video game industry. This is my ticket in totally. to playing, to get to, to translating video games. Yeah, not, people, not many people know that classical literature is the shortcut. That's the easiest into way. Into the game industry. Yep. That's what I advise <laughs> anyone who asks me how... It's How the easy can I? Way in. I mean, it come is. on, yeah. just get you know your degree at Harvard in classic Japanese lit, and boom, you're there. It's, it's simple. You know, it's, it's like simple. tester. It's like right. that or tester. <laughs> one, one or the other. Um, no, but I mean, what were you thinking when you were? Were you like, I'm going to be a teacher, basically? So what was I thinking? Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Is the read on that line? Uh, yeah, I thought I was going to be an academic, and I have nothing but respect for the people that went on to become academics. Yeah. But I realized very quickly that it, it really wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. I loved the material. Uh, I didn't particularly enjoy the process of working with it and talking about it mm -hmm. and publishing about it uh, right. in the way that the system demands. Right. And uh, so I could see myself spinning my wheels uh, for a long time. And uh, one of the advice pieces of advice I got, I think even before I started went to a party with some other grad students and they're 
There's a guy there who is a G14. What that means is he's been in grad school for 14 years. Jesus. And has not Holy shit. received his PhD. And, and this was actually a big problem at in that specific department at mm. Harvard at that time. Mm. And they're doing much better now these days, mm. I hear. But, you How know, do you pay for that? Sorry. Well, that's the thing. Actually, most of them are scholarship. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so they're not really, and they also are working while they're getting their PhD, which right. is why it takes they're so long. Teaching and, and they have kids, right? And they have a life, uh, right? And suddenly, the you know, the, doing the dissertation and defending it isn't all that important, and right? Because they've got a job and they've got to do X, Y, and Z. Right. And I had a friend who actually was writing for he was writing in Hollywood for years, still working on his dissertation. So Jeez. you can do a lot of different things, you know, right? But I realized that it just, it really didn't matter to me that much. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, the, the piece of advice I got from the G14 was he, he leaned over toward me conspiratorially and said, <laughs> a word of advice, don't breed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so, That's you know, like I, some graduate level yeah. shit. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I only understood after Plastics. I got my degree. That's it. Plastics. <laughs> so I was in a PhD program and I bailed. Uh, after two years, they kind of give you a master's for free, sort of. Okay. All right. And uh, so I got that and went straight into working for Squaresoft. And was that hmm. were, when you were doing like, okay, I'm going to give up on academia to the game industry? Or did you see an ad somewhere? Or did a friend turn you on to it? Or what was the... One of those job posting sites that they uh, run through the colleges. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. And yeah. so you're like, I want to, that's great. I want to live in Japan too. And... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I had been in Japan for several years by that point. Okay. Because uh, in undergrad, I spent about half of it in Tokyo. And, right. Uh, and Kazawa, the Western side. And so you were getting to Square, what was that, around like 97, 98? Kind of? 98. 98. Okay. Yeah. So that was right around the time that I was going to the to ziff to the game magazine so let's see that was yeah ps1 mm -hmm. era um kind of stuff so i guess that's where um was final fantasy what was your first uh title there final me, fantasy I got, I got my list somewhere yeah final fantasy 7 had come out while i was contemplating doing the interview okay and so that was the game i played I had played RPGs. Well, I was a big D&D geek growing yeah. up. So I sort of lived and breathed tabletop RPGs. Right. Were you like a big console gamer? Or? Not really, no. Oh. In fact, I never owned a console. Really? Wow. Yeah, amazing. I had a, I had a Mac, uh, well, an Apple II, Apple IIc, yeah. and then nice. a Mac. And so I played Wizardry on the Number Apple IIc, and I played uh, Bard's Tale, not the Bard's Tale, but the oh. original Bard's nice. Tale yes. game. So I... Yeah, really Wait, was the new Bard's Tale called The Bard's Tale? Isn't it called or a Bard's Tale? Oh, maybe that's oh, interesting. I didn't even know that. It has an article. Yeah, and it's and it's humorous. I mean, right, the right, right. Really wasn't. Yeah, it was right. Sort of they made it all like boobies up. and jokes or something. Yeah. I, I haven't actually played it, but I I played the old one too. Yeah. I was a yeah. big Apple II gamer. Wait, and also, quick aside, you were what was it? Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con, nineteen eighty nine. Gen Con, Tetris, Mac <laughs> Tetris champion. Yes. Whoa. Undisputed. Yes. Undisputed. I, I have a, a screenshot of the That is amazing. Did you ever play against Thor Ackerman? 
No, I did, I did not. <laughs> have, have you heard of, have you heard of Sea of Order, by the way, the Tetris documentary about competitive Tetris? Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, you oh, have to see it. That, that was probably this. made oh, for you, man. Yeah. You are really going to love this. Maybe you can oh, no. get in on the sequel or whatever. It's a good movie <laughs> for anyone, but I, I mean, especially if What if I have flashbacks or something? I think it's free on YouTube, too. If you have a VPN, you can just watch it on Hulu for free. Okay, yeah. Oh, it's on Hulu. Yeah, yeah, Okay, so anyway, back to... So back to Square. So you played Final Fantasy VII as you were checking it out. Were you playing the Japanese version or the English? No, or I played the or? English okay. version. So you're playing I, the English. Were so you were like, you as confused as everyone else at the time? Like, were you like, okay, you know, part of the story doesn't really make sense. This can be done I better. I can do better than this. I, right. That's right. exactly right. It was my thought. I, I, okay. I saw that and I was pretty nervous. I had done, in Hawaii uh, for a year, I did subtitling of Japanese soap operas. The oh, wow. Drama. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that was actually my first professional translation gig. Wow, that sounds actually really fun. It was. Yeah. It was. It was just sort of a weekend job while I was doing other stuff. Wow. But Do you remember the names of any of those? Yeah. Uh, the two major ones that I did were the Battling Bride-to-Be, or <laughs> I think it's Tataka Yomesama, something okay. like that. Mm. <laughs> and uh, Say You Love Me, which is Aishiteru Tittekure. Are those are those like in the term that we're talking drama talk here? Yeah. Are those hiru drama or yoru? After, yoru, okay. Yeah. So, I wish Hiroko so was my, here because she might actually know. She probably she would. Really they, they were yeah. both actually. Battling Bride to Be was pretty minor. Um, I said it to Everybody knows that, really. And it, it's actually a lot of it is set in Kijijoji. Oh, okay. In the park that I used to live right next to, Whoa. and so I spent seven years of my life kind of reliving yeah. the moments from that drama. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, uh, so, uh, all right, thank you. Um, let's see. I was in Hawaii, yes. and that's when I started playing Final Fantasy VII. Okay. And uh, so that must have been actually before I had a, a real strong idea that I wanted, because I went to grad school after that. Okay, okay. But that's when I started playing. And uh, went to... Let's see. Went to... Uh, just cold called them. Got an interview. Wow. They flew me out to California. They were in Costa Mesa. Oh, right. Time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Oh, so this is in the U.S. In the U.S. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. You got hired by Squaresoft. Squaresoft. Okay. That's right. And so then you, so you got hired, you, but you got hired to work in Tokyo. Yeah, that's right. Okay. But I was at the California office for about four or five months. Oh, you were? Yeah, okay. Waiting for a visa. Right on. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So what were you working on while you were there? Final Fantasy VIII. Ah, okay, excellent. Uh, what did you? How how was that as your like first main assignment? That famous dancing scene, uh, I remember, was like the big deal right. at the time at the magazines and stuff. Right, like, oh, right. Well, that was one of the original PS2 demos. Yep, that's yeah. right. Oh, well, that was yeah. afterwards. But yeah. yeah, no, it was impressive. And yes, it was. Uh, I did the Laguna Loire section if you remember that mm-hmm. yeah there was one of the it was kind of like a side i can't i don't even remember like it was a dream it was the dude maybe? with the long hair yeah yeah, yeah. oh okay it was sort of like a subset of characters and they didn't really interact with the main characters that much right. mm-hmm. they were dream characters yeah it was a dream right oh okay okay dream warrior sorry exactly dream weaver <laughs> wait so this is square so i'm trying to think back so in that at that era so were you was uh were you was honeywood working there at the time he was he was at the tokyo he's office in tokyo richard honeywood so he's I been on the show friend yeah. of ours he's actually doing some work with us right now and then also wasn't rich amtower working there rich amtower was there he was in qa at that point as okay. i recall he later graduated to being editorial okay he's kind of one of the main guys in the treehouse now so 
so I don't know yeah, if a lot of people yeah. know his name or not, but he's he's one of the guys who is involved in a lot of the really awesome localization work that goes on at NOA. Yes, they should know his name. He's awesome. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. uh, the Vagrant story was you and him to it a was large me and Rich, degree, yeah. right? Two, yeah. two guys with master's degrees. <laughs> he has a master's in, in Middle English, Whoa. which is oh. Tosserian English. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> I did not know that. Think about that. Anytime we, we said we were sending him Fire Emblem stuff and just probably just massacring completely. <laughs> I feel an intense, kinds of an intense pressure in how I word my daily emails to him now. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, and then just looking at your uh, your Wikipedia page. So, Final Fantasy VIII, Final Fantasy Anthology. So, what, that was five and six, was it? Four and five or something? Yeah. Five and six, right? I think. I had a very light involvement with that, as okay, I recall. Okay. I think they were translation support down here. Yeah, I think they. Uh, that was right after I moved to Tokyo, mm. and they were. They had been working on the. It was like the best Jerry, the sort of right. catalog of monsters, and uh, one of my first jobs might even been my first day. Uh, the guy who had been translating some of this was a Japanese guy, and never. Uh-oh. left japan right then spoke uh, amazing english for right. having never sure. been overseas sure had learned it all from nhk radio oh wow wow, wow. that's incredible it is incredible he is an ama- he's a genius i mean yeah. hands down right genius. right not a native speaker right, right. exactly yeah and, and maybe, it shows and yeah and maybe not the best writer yeah an amazing linguist though and uh so he had been writing and uh he showed me a bunch of stuff to and said please check it and that was sort of his understudy right. when I started off. And I remember there was a section on the on the cactuar, the sabotenda. Yeah. And he had written that the the cactuar ejaculates needles. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember going over to him and saying, Oh, you you know, you can't say that. And he said, No, but it's in my dictionary. And I'm just, you know, sort of seeing my like, life. Oh, well, okay, you're yeah. right. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Ship it. Ship All right, it. then. Well, yep. Oh, that's amazing, though. <laughs> Normally, see, I, I approve of getting things. If you can get something past the censor that they don't know mm, right. is, is bad, I, I'm in full approval sure. of that. But I, I feel there has to be a little bit of right. subtlety <laughs> right. as well. Balance there. <clears throat> yeah, sure. That's awesome. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so that didn't didn't last long. Um, but then, so, well, let's get into Vagrant Story. So that one, by all accounts, so the Japanese, of course, I've never played Vagrant Story in Japanese, but from what I understand, the Japanese is a little more straightforward, and you guys took it in a much more, you guys, like, really developed it for the English and really, like, blew it out. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Kind of, what did you get, you kind of get the teams okay? Like, hey, listen, so we want to really do something special with this or was it kind of like a under the radar kind of thing where it's that like, middle okay, English listen, degree of just, just, good yeah, right, exactly. Right. I mean I guess it was under the radar in in so much that the primaries working on the game didn't speak English there was one actually native English speaker uh, bilingual guy on the team a great guy uh, Tai Yasue and he read it and obviously knew what we were doing okay. and must have given the thumbs up because mm. I know Matsuno was happy with it. Right. So, huh. 
So I, I, it wasn't entirely under the radar. Right, uh, right, right. But we didn't, there was very little connection between localization. In fact, there wasn't even a localization department at that time. And I, I think Richard spoke about that when he was on the show because he was instrumental in right. creating a localization uh, right, department. Right, 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 right. It was just a bunch By of people. Yeah. You know, you know, we were part of HR or something random like that. <laughs> I mean, it was really, you know, organizationally. Wow. Yeah, wow. Dark ages. But mm. we started working on that and um the uh where was i big story the and game looked story, amazing yes. at the time too right. it was like i mean it was really like a lot of things came together with that game that game really pushed the ps1 hardware i mean actually even you look at it now and i part, part of it is the art style part of it is it actually holds up so when much when you better filter that game it looks amazing like, it's, yeah. Not, yeah. it's one of those games that because of the way it was developed and the style it uses it can actually look really good when hdified in fact they haven't actually done an hd remaster have they they really should no mm. but they had well uh, yeah no i guess it was just people on ps2 were right, right. with the filter right, effects right. on and stuff like that and it yeah like that game really was amazing at the time like visually and then of course like story-wise like you know universally lauded people really went nuts yeah i got a 40 40 on famitsu that's right was this the beginning of your relationship <laughs> with matsuno or was this when you first worked with him and got to know him or or know of him or or yeah yeah and we actually we did work together on a few parts of the game because he wanted to put in like a humorous award system this is a very late addition to the game hmm. where it was essentially uh, achievements Oh, where if you did X, Y, and Z, you would get a title. Right. Mm-hmm. And he wanted them to be animal-related, but nothing that you would actually feel proud about. It's sort of, just <laughs> sort of silly animal names. So uh-huh. that, that was the one original thing that I contributed to Interesting. On, the, uh, on the game. But got to work with him. He was a little scary to me at first, just personally. Right. Because uh, he talks really fast, and he's uh-huh. you know he sort of exudes this aura of awesomeness. And so <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was a little timid, I remember. Right. But... Um, yeah, that was my first first time working with him. Really, first time translating anything. And so, you're talking about us kind of blowing the script out of the water and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. making it a different thing than it was in the original. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, <laughs> wow. when somebody gave me a script to do, I said, "Okay, I'll just do what you know what it is I've been doing with my friends playing D and D and you know the stuff right. that I've done and embellish it and, and have fun with yeah, it. And, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And also, I think that it's very true that every game, every localization project sets its own bar, both in terms of quality and in terms of where you want to go with it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the the bottommost, the lowest common denominator is okay. In the localization, we have to not make this game suck. Right. right. But then the question you have to ask is, well, where can we take it, or, or where should we take it, and where does the game ask us to take it? Right. And so I think a lot of games and a lot of localizations that that go bad are because the localizers didn't take agency and didn't right. say, hey, we've got to do something with this. That's actually something I, I that, uh, so I saw a, a talk of yours, um, uh, I guess it was a while ago now, but something I wanted to talk about that I think is really interesting that I know we talk about here and... I mean, I think we all agree about it, you, but we'll disagree exactly where the level is and stuff like that. But that, you know, I never heard it put quite the way that you put it, which I think is a good way of doing it. But, like, inherently in the translation process, this is your kind of, you would you would sum up my paraphrasing what you were saying, that you're losing something, right? Like, in the 
you're losing something in the transfer. Yeah. And so if you don't actually add anything to it, you're ending up with less than you started with, no matter what kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so you have to be careful about it, and you have to do it in ways that, you know, that the, that the people buy off and make sense for the project, but that, like, just trying to really adhere to only what's there on the uh, the page, you're just no matter how well you do it, you're going to end up with less than what even the original is starting with kind of thing. Right, right. And translation is a really lossy process, you know, like transferring a CD to MP3, that -hmm. sort of thing. You're losing a lot of data. And a really easy to understand example is translating a poem. You can translate the meaning from one language to another. Right. And you can translate the sounds. And sometimes you can translate the meter. Like when we write haiku in English, we try to do the syllables. Right. Right. But to do all three, either it takes both genius and it also requires just the very the right material. And so you're going to lose something. Right. And it, really the same thing goes for, for game translation. If you're translating something like press the X button to jump, nothing, not much is lost there. Right. But then the original isn't doing much. It's just straight up data you know, right. information. But when you get into something that's trying to portray a world, if you don't take what you what the original has given you and express it in a way that will bring the experience of the original to the end user right then i think you're doing the game a disservice mm. right yeah yeah and i you had a, a good example i think there of what you did with final fantasy 12 um with the bestiary um in that game where you had it in the voice of kind of like a uh what was it like an old uh kind of like an english nature kind of yeah victorian, victorian botany guide level, yeah. right that's right yeah um body guide that's right <laughs> um which was really cool which was not and then you'd like run this by the team and then like gotten all the buy off and the whatever but like really made it something where this is something we talked about with fire emblem too where it's almost like a little reward in itself is like okay now this is not just like a functional thing but it's actually something i want to read it's 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 part of the payoff and part of the fun of the game is like actually in reading you know this like thing instead of like oh fuck all right i have to xxx i want to skip through this conversation sort of thing yeah yeah Um, and i i think uh comedians and creative people in general will say that if you're not enjoying if you're not laughing at your own jokes no one else is going to laugh at them uh and it's totally true for a localization. If you're not enjoying the localization, nobody's going to enjoy reading it. Right. And, you know, for some games, it honestly doesn't matter. It, they, there's other things going on in the game. Right. And so you can get by with sort of the bare minimum. But right. with anything that's just like a giant text dump, like the, the best area was in yeah. Final Fantasy XII, you have to do something. Otherwise, you're going to go insane. Right. You translate. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just, it's boring, you know. Right, right. To well, do all that. The best, the, the thing that's really interesting to me, too, is, like, I feel like you have to, the, the people who are making the game have, like, you know, there's so many factors that go into localization that no one ever sees. And we don't talk about it a lot, because to us, it's like inside baseball. It probably sounds kind of boring to most people. But, like, there's a billion reasons why even the best team in the world can potentially not put out a great localization. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times it also has to do with the team itself. Like, if the dev team actually understands the value of a good localization, is willing to work with you on stuff like that, gives you their blessing, you know, to go and change stuff or whatever, you can actually put out something 
really great. That was why I like working with the Fire Emblem guys, for example, was awesome because they actually really care about it turning out well, you know. But sometimes you'll be given like the coolest game in the world or whatever, but at the same time the dev team has like a budget and a time frame, a schedule. I wonder why I'm talking about this right now. Maybe I'm going <laughs> I know, through I it. Totally and, it's like, and it's like, you know, no matter how hard you try pain. to make it awesome, there this are barriers therapy. in the way. Yeah, exactly. That no one Talk will ever therapy. see. So Yeah, well, yeah. there's a million different ways that a localization can go wrong, right? Yeah, like you basically. can have the greatest script in the world and then if there's no budget for voice acting or the voice acting director doesn't get it or you're or not you can there, only have nine or... characters per line or something <laughs> that's not something i'm going through now but i'm just saying <laughs> yeah. that's an example mm. of the thing that can happen yeah right right well it, kind of sticking on this and and, and a couple other things i have written down because i thought they were really interesting um from your talk which i guess was like a variation of a talk you'd given at pax um in like yeah and, and evolved version pax yeah. west in 2009 okay and uh, we gave another sort of similar talk uh in pax east 2011 cool. actually the day of the tsunami oh, oh no kidding oh, no yeah, way wow yeah, I, I was thinking about canceling it it was we still didn't even know how bad it was right 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 yeah but wow crazy yeah. um well uh, two things that i that i found really interesting and um i think this was one of which you kind of found more when you had done a book i think it might have been the 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 uh is it the devotion of suspect x yes um where you were talking about, so that book went out to Walmart and went out to whatever, yeah. and you kind of got a sense for, uh, so it was a, a book that takes place in Japan and has Japanese names. And That was a Miyabe book, right? Another one? Or no, it's a Higashi no Keigo oh, book. Okay. Yeah, oh. he's a mystery writer. But it was pretty popular in Japan. I've heard of it like many times before. Mark told me this story too, and I heard about it before I even knew you were involved in it. Like it was pretty famous, right? Yeah, Higashino is sort of the Stephen King of Japan, just okay. in, in sales, in terms of sales. I and see. almost all everything he's done has been made into a movie or a TV series. So he's nice. pretty big over here. So was this the? So I think there were two things interesting, and this might be like a minor spoiler thing, but I'm not even sure I'm talking right about the right book. So if people people <laughs> might want to skip it, I'm very sensitive about spoilers. <laughs> so if people are going to read it or interested in it, you should read it. You should buy it. You can find it. Where can people find it? Is Everywhere. It a, Amazon. Everywhere. Still at bookstores, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stop. Skip like five minutes ahead. JJ will spoiler tag this whole thing. I don't think anyone's going to mind. No, but, okay. no, they will because this is, a, this, is a, this is the thing of the book. If, the, if I'm thinking of the right book, which yeah, is the murder the, weapon. What, yeah, what you're saying, though, happens in like the end of the first chapter. Oh, okay. So it's not. All right, so maybe it's not <laughs> okay. as bad of a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> but so that, I thought this was interesting because every once in a while, you know, you're presented with a real tricky uh, localization problem. Um and I, this is like a really good example of it. So, do you want to talk a little about this? The murder weapon was basically uh, Kotatsu, right? Right. Which so well, for people who don't know, we've talked about it on the show before. Actually, Mark has one. I have one. That's I'm a, having to get rid of it, which sucks because no. I love what? it. Yeah, a table with a blanket and a heater. Table with a blanket built in, and you sit kind of underneath it along with the, the heated toilet it is one of the prized uh inventions of japan it's I pretty would say. awesome it's yeah. kind yeah. of evil though because once you get into kotatsu you never leave yeah that's kind of yeah, yeah what people what it's people like having say. a cat in your lap yeah <laughs> basically but how so wait first of all how did somebody kill somebody with the kotatsu and then two how do you deal with so you're writing this for an english audience that has right. no idea what the hell a kotatsu is how do you do how do you deal with that Right. So apparently this was actually part of the sample that I did for the book as well, had that Kotatsu bit in it. And okay. 
So that's ostensibly why I got the job was the handling of that. Oh, really? Machine. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. which I found out later, and I was like, "Oh, thank God, I didn't like <laughs> right. rewrite it or, <laughs> right. or forget about it." And uh, yeah, it, it's it's weird because when you're writing a novel that's clearly set in Japan, you have a different set of standards than say if you're doing a game, a fantasy game set in another world. Hmm. If somebody in Final Fantasy XII starts talking Kotatsu, there's no burden on the translator to keep that in there. Right. Right. You you change it to something else that makes sense in the world right. that you're doing. So usually the answer is, oh, rewrite. You know, not a problem. Rewrite in the spirit of the original. Right. But when it's the murder weapon, and <laughs> it, the way that it worked, to answer your question, JJ, yeah. is there is a... Uh, there's a braided cord, electrical cord, yes. that connects the heating right. element in the kotatsu to your wall socket. Yes. And every Japanese person knows that it has this sort of insulated covering on right. it. Right, right. And it's this very particular kind of uh, curled pattern on the insulated covering. Yep. I mean, I think every kotatsu is like that. Yeah. yeah. And the way that it was used is it they strangled... Uh, some people in the uh, book strangle somebody else using this cord. Okay. And it comes up again several times in the book. The the kotatsu is used to hide the body. So oh. you have to know that it has a blanket on it. You can't <laughs> right. just call it a table. <laughs> right. Because you have to be able to hide a body underneath it. Mm -hmm. You also kind of have to know that the kotatsu is usually in the middle of the Japanese-style tatami mat room. Not never off towards the side. Uh, right. Never against the wall. You you know that instinctively. Yeah. Living in Japan, but you would have no idea. Oh man. I wouldn't have even thought. Yeah. Of, exactly. Yeah. Like the, like why is that important at all? Right? right. It's totally the kind of thing that you skip over yeah. in translation usually. Uh, so that had to be there. Also, the fact that it has a cord had to be in there. And so it, what the way I handled it was I added lines of dialogue to the book. So when uh, this guy comes in the apartment, he's like, oh, hey, your Kotatsu switched off. So that turns into, okay, this has a switch. It has electricity. Uh, exposition without, like, slapping you in the face. Yeah. With right. yeah. He has to walk nice. to the middle of the room, I guess. Exactly. I, I don't think I, I think I glossed that differently when the police guys notice that right. the Kotatsu is not where it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He, can't, he can't go into the room and check for himself, but he's like, there's something under that. Mm -hmm. And it's a real important internal thought process at that right. point in the book. Uh, and I, I think I figured that out some other way, but I see. So yeah, you just, you kind of, I mean, that's a very unusual situation though. Right. Right. Mm. Well, but it's a really good, I think illustrative example of good kind of stuff that comes right up sometimes. Weird juggling. So act. you didn't yeah. like go and he found him in the Kotatsu translator's note. Kotatsu in his Japanese <laughs> table with asterisk and then down at yeah. the bottom. Like asterisk. Kotatsu is a do. table where blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I mean, you could see how people would take that out, you know? I mean, you could yeah. see how yeah. people would just be like, ah, fuck it. Uh, just fucking put a, you know, footnote in there and like throw, right. throw it out in there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. like super off putting if you're like sure. trying to get into a mystery novel. Sure. I'm sure. sure. Um, and then the thing that. Another uh, kind of maybe related thing that, that, that we talk about that's like a constant frustration of mine that I'm always curious how different people handle is, um, is Japanese everything, it, TV shows, dramas, games, whatever, people might notice like there's always these very, you know, very emotional scenes or like the climax of scenes where people get very worked up or someone is someone is giving a speech kind of on someone's behalf right. and or they're just very moved emotionally by what someone else is doing or saying and they just like kind of 
are just in in awe, but they just say the person's name. Oh, you know, just I like, d- JJ. <laughs> like, JJ is giving this impassioned speech about yeah. why I should be, like, you know, not expelled from the school or whatever. <laughs> Oh, this is, a, this is a part of your talk? No, or, it, wasn't, oh, okay, it was something okay. I asked about. I, I see, I see. But, but, but it, it, it will happen like three or four times sometimes in the yeah. same one scene. I like, just went over this yesterday with someone, and I was really? explaining how like this would never happen yeah. in English, so let's change it to anything else that would, yeah. would sound natural. Because sometimes, and then sometimes I will be like, oh, that was a bad, and then JJ will be like, Mark. It's, it's not even, he's not saying it to me. I'm not hearing him right. say it. He's kind of saying it to himself. Right. So the challenge is there, then it's like, okay, you know, this person is saying something. They're saying this person's name. Like, a- anyway. It's very it's 50s era sitcom. Like, oh dear, you know, that darling, sort of thing. Like, my darling. Of. Like, that's it's, a convention. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's very much like, like that. But, um, but so we we, were, we talked a little bit about that, but but you were saying that you had um, you'd heard or talked or thought a little bit more about that. Recently. Yeah, it's it's amazing how often that scene comes up. Yes, isn't it? Yeah, and I had real trouble with it. And sometimes if you're dealing with something on camera and you can't change lip flaps, right. you're kind of screwed. Uh, yeah, but when people kind of get it, I mean, it's not it's not that it's so that you just if you could live grew up in America that you don't understand what's going on you understand what's going on yeah, but it's, it's just, just so it has no way easy right. it's, 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 yeah. yeah. it's in so... every anime ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah so generally speaking and not just for that scene but any kind of scene where it feels like the Japanese is being too general and being too cliched mm-hmm I find that if, you, if you're watching a similar scene in something generated originally in English in the West, uh, it's, it usually has specifics. It's usually referring to some detail. I, I remember helping a friend with a translation for uh, a Gundam game, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where the guy was saying, yeah, my Gundam's the best. It's the best. I mean, this thing is great. It's just great. And, and, the, and the dialogue was literally just saying that over and over. And I'm like, this would be, this is a great moment for him to say, I got the XRV 360 uh, rocket boosters. Dual cam, and dual cam. overhead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So just 24K yeah. modem. Yeah. 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 Bod, baby. That's a really good idea, though. Um, so details, you can pull them from anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you don't want to make stuff up, but right. if you can, you can pull them from other parts of the game. You can talk to the dev team if, right. if, if you have that, the luck of being in contact with them uh, so that, that kind of thing um, but specifically that scene where everyone's saying uh, you know mom, mom, mom yeah. or one of those things and I had that scene too with Star Ocean one of the Star Ocean games <laughs> my goodness and uh, John knows all about Star yeah, Ocean yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but don't. <laughs> my idea for that <laughs> we'll get to that later <laughs> My uh, okay. my idea with that what is when she said, someone just okay. someone please All right, I, sorry. I finally erase those. From my memory. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, when you get one of those climactic scenes, that's essentially you know in they say in in narrative structure you've got an A story and a B story, and the A story is your primary story. It's the this guy went here and did this and this happened, and the B story is everything else, right? mm. and. A classic trick, especially for Hollywood, is when you get to the end of the A story, the climactic scene, you bring something from the B story in to create it. It's like a synthesis. You're bringing, Mm. you've got this problem in A, and you don't know how to fix it. 
right. and you get to the end and you're like, wow, we're just screwed. We, we you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And then you bring in everything you've learned from the B story and, and you bring it together and you get this really <laughs> satisfying ending mm-hmm. and it just, it works almost every time. And so I was thinking of, um, the end of Terminator two where uh, the Terminator is being lowered down into the magma. Yeah. And that's totally a scene in, I have even done this with friends, like dubbing over it, yeah. where, it where the Terminator's just like, John, John, you know, John's like, Terminator, Terminator, Terminator. And because it's totally that scene. Yeah, that's that what they exactly, doing in Japanese. Exactly, yes, exactly. <laughs> like, you are no. sacrificing for me, like, uh, yeah. Right, right. So to get, to get technical about it, the A story here is the story of stopping Skynet from becoming sentient and, and that sort of thing. That's the main right. story. The B story <laughs> is the Terminator learning to become human. And so what he says when he's, lower, when he, when he's going down into the, into the magma there it is not, you know, John, John. Yeah. <laughs> he's saying, now I know why you cry, but it's something I can never do. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> Half, halfway into the voice of the other. JJ, you might have some competition here. <laughs> Listen, voice, he's voices. got the mic. I'm, I'm just going to let him go. Right. So, uh, and that's a perfect example of bringing something from the B story. Right. That little t- humanizing tidbit that, right. you know, because we, we've seen him learning how to say, hasta la vista, you know, that right, kind of right, stuff. Right. And, and then it brings it in. And so it's, you know, it's a very, it's a moving scene and a moving moment. Uh, Until he does the thumbs up. Until he does the thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had to have that one. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, and then another another just keeping on the same thing. Um, something else I thought was interesting that you got a lot of feedback on how easily it is. Like you kind of forget playing probably a lot of Japanese games even or playing or, or watching Japanese movies, reading Japanese books. How uh, easy it is for people to confuse people's names in in japanese like they start with the same letter i mean i kind of get it every once in a while with like friends or family when i'll go back to america and it's like you know there's a very easy name a name that you think is very easy to pronounce you know like hiroko or or whatever and people are just like hilamoroka i mean just like completely can't (laughs) do it or whatever and you forget oh well yeah if you're not and you know we're we'd be that way with right french names or you know probably a lot of russian names my wife was often called like makaiko aikada (laughs) yeah yeah well the best the best is we have our we have our friend the friend of probably all of us here kyoko right Uh, oh yeah kyoko a friend of the show kyoko higo and whenever she goes to she has this gallery on her facebook of her starbucks cups because they ask what your name is right in america then you write your name and they have mangled her name in like the most amazing ways like just every one of them is spelled like completely differently like and kyoko's pretty kinoko or like right. could, like just completely Q U I C O. That's yeah. one of the more straightforward Japanese names too. It is, but yeah, but if you're at Starbucks and you're not not kind of hearing it or whatever, right. but but you kind of got feedback and was that devotion of suspects as well? Where it was like this character was like a a Yoko and a and yeah a Yoko and Yasuko. Oh, and Yasuko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, and yeah, and they couldn't tell it apart. It's like really when Amazon reviews. Like there was this Yoko and a Yasko, and I just <laughs> couldn't tell them apart. And and it was a real eye opener for me because I was like, what? What do you mean you can't? Oh, right, and interesting. It's some. It's actually an advantage. You're saying that maybe we couldn't tell French names apart, but actually, I would argue that we can hmm. to a degree that there's analogs. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, right, you see right. Pierre, so and you're like, "Well, that's obviously an American right, name too." But Shell even uh, Scandinavian names, mm-hmm. like in the um, the girl with the dragon tattoo, 
a lot of different names written different ways than we would write them, but right. at least there's analogs and there's right. something to grab onto. Right. And when when you've got as soon as you get K's and Yo's in there, it's just everything goes out the window. Uh, a book <laughs> I a book I had real problems with was the Three Kingdoms, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, mm-hmm. and that's just like oh, there's millions yeah. of characters. Well, and dude, so many. Shenmue, there's, like forget Shenmue. I can't keep track of who's what in that game because everybody's got similar sounding. <laughs> Actually, names. a couple people have the same name in that game. I think. Too. Like uh, there's different characters with the actual exact same name. I think in that uh, yeah, in that I mean kind of mythos. And we and but what do you do? I mean, we think about that a lot too, though, right? Like when we're especially if we're ever lucky enough to be involved in the naming process while they're still naming on the Japanese side, we'll always try to be like at least have the first letter be different on like these main character names. Mm. Like if you have a party of six that are the main characters, try not to have them start with the same letter or whatever. Yeah, that's really like. smart. Yeah, but it's not easy because a lot of times, like you say, like Japan. If you ever look at, you know, we have our, our New Year's cards, so we have like our mailing list of like basically people all throughout Japan and it's like you know there'll be like no uh, like a cer- several level- letters in a row where there's like nobody and then there's like 500 people in the K section because there's all these kyo- you know kind of like all these names K-scares, that start with K in Japan friends. that don't start elsewhere I'm trying to remember though when we were working on what are the two when we were working on Monster Hunter uh-huh. that there were two monsters that's, that were, it was already set so we couldn't change it that sound almost exactly oh yeah the they, uh, uh, they're Baroth and Baryoth yeah oh, Baryoth that's right yeah. that's right was like, it was, oh, was, was it us that was nice. yeah but we did we were sensitive to that and really tried to really? do that when we were naming uh, yeah it's tough I mean it's hard things. yeah it's 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 a uh, you know you have to be on the ball too because you're not only you know you're translating but you're localizing and you're trying to keep everything you're trying to keep all these things in order but trying to preserve the Japanese as well and it's like that sort of <laughs> well, thing well and happens. it's also and this is just kind of an interesting thing uh, I, I don't know how interesting it will be to people outside of localization but like yeah when you're naming things and characters and whatever a lot of people are paid by the amount of Japanese characters that they translate and you might have something that's only four characters big and you know you might spend a half hour or something yeah, really right. trying to come up That's with a cool right. name for that and it's so it's it's easy for the to be the first thing that people skip because it's not worth it right <laughs> money right. wise yeah. To, yeah. to 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 spend a lot of time naming things and coming up with clever names and stuff like that which right. is why a lot of times like the in-house the places with in-house uh, localization departments that are paid, you know, not by the the yen, but by the character and stuff like that. I think end up with more thoughtful kind of names for things like right. that. That kind um, of gets back to what you were alluding to earlier about there being so many different factors that can influence the quality of a localization mm-hmm. that aren't immediately obvious. Right. You know, the first thing you think of is is was it a good translator, but the best translator given a week to do a game that should have taken two months and then the, yeah, will not time, produce a game. Right, exactly, right. exactly. Yeah. well I'm curious to like this just to step back a little bit too like so you've been doing this uh, since you know at least well before even 98 but um, so a good clip like well over 15 um, years so like where what have you seen happening and kind of where do you see it going do you think in general like it's getting better and like what do you see as the problem areas or places it could still get you know give, give us a report or what yeah 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 <laughs> well it's a lot better than it used to be obviously right and there were moments of brightness even even in the darkest of times right yeah mm-hmm. uh you've had i don't know if you had jeremy blaustein on the podcast have not yet not no yeah he worked on metal gear solid metal right? gear solid and uh so Silent Hill. yep a lot of the old konami games yeah yeah, yeah. so there, you know, there were there were moments of of, of decency <laughs> amidst 
all of the other stuff and you know the, the <coughs> zero wing was that the name of that oh yeah, yeah. right <clears throat> and the legend. Uh, yeah exactly and so it's definitely improved and a lot of systemic things have greatly improved yeah something that richard was talking about the, having a localization department you know the awareness mm, that oh right. we need a localization department oh, it's not a black box and you feed text into it and it comes out looking different <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. the other way when, you know, when it comes out. And so that kind of awareness, and I mean, I did, it was self-serving, but I did what I could to raise awareness while I was at Square too by taking any review of anybody's game hmm. that mentioned the localization yeah. and showing it, you know, when I went in for the, like the pay raise interviews and that kind of thing, right. I would just bring all these articles from the Western nice. game that I knew they never saw yeah. smart. And, and I'd actually translate sections of it. See, that's huge. And I feel like that, that is so important, like really, really, really important. I, I mean, we don't even do as good of a job as we, as we should be doing, but like, yeah, all of us, like, Anytime that it gets mentioned, it's such a. It, it should be get back to the people who are actually it affects mm. and who are making yeah. those decisions and stuff like that. And you'd be surprised how much something can be talked about and lauded for something like localization and have it not get back to the, sure, the people who sure. make the, the decisions and hold the purse strings. Yeah, and I think that's a main contributing factor to one of the ongoing problems in localization, which is that it's so erratic. Right. There's still so huge gaps in quality. There's huge yeah. gaps in pay. Right. Right. It's it's a very immature field. Right. Yeah. In, as an industry. Yep. Uh, not talking about the people involved, but the, the <laughs> that fact too. that no, but that's <laughs> have you have you played uh, Metal Gear Rising? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Have you listened to this podcast before? Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's like, well, yeah. I, I guess. I feel like, you know, part of it, part of the big thing, a big issue in my mind is that Japanese developers need to be educated on, on a lot of the, the reasons why they need to do things a certain way in order for us to be able to do our job. And that doesn't get done a lot, especially from our side, because we're not an internal, well, you, you as well, Alex, but like we're not, all of us are not internal localization departments for anyone. So we can't really just like go in and be like, no, you're doing it wrong. This is how it has to be. There's a little bit of having to sort of balance, like, how much can I tell these people without upsetting the, the relationship and so on and so forth. But, like, right. really, education is the key. I, I kind of yeah. feel like I wish that there was a, a a forum where, like, you could have a GDC speech or something for this where actually you could guarantee everybody who's important in the Japanese industry would come and listen <laughs> and you could just tell them all at Corral once. Them. I, this is what you're doing wrong. Them, John. I we we, we get back dream. to the kidnapping talk <laughs> again. Yeah. We're going to have to kidnap them. But Ed- education's a huge part of the job. Yeah. And actually, you were saying that the situation might be different if you're in-house. I, I think it's actually the other way around. Really? I think you actually have a lot more say if you're I've heard people in-house. say that, actually. Um, that may be different at places like Nintendo, and I don't I don't have any you know info on this, so I don't know. But right. obviously places that have grown, and also Square, too, I think, especially these days. Mm. The localization departments have matured enough that you have these bubbles of sanity. Right. Sure. Where sure. the feedback is going both ways and you don't have, you know, directors making unreasonable requests. Right. And again, that word agency, uh, translators not taking agency, even if they were, you know, very competent and could do a great product, they either don't have the balls or they don't feel like they have the status. Right. To, and the same thing when you're, when you're outsourcing. Right. You know, what can we, how much can we say? To these people right yeah, right exactly. um, i definitely found when i left square because i was a regular employee there for four years and i found that when i left i had way more 
influence and way more control mm-hmm. over my work environment and the way that projects played out. It's kind of counterintuitive, but like the more you know about how the typical Japanese companies work, I yeah. think it's that way. Not I, I think it's that way with music musicians. I think it's that way with artists. A lot of them yeah. leave the company especially recently like mm-hmm. it go freelance and end up still working with the same company but doing it because they have to get a better deal out of it sure sure really weird to think and, about. and you have a lot better access to directors people right. like that where when you're in the system the only way the only way to talk to people out of the chain of command was to smoke oh <laughs> and, and, I'm, and i'm not a smoker yeah right. And but sometimes I would literally go into the smoking room and like drink some crappy coffee, <laughs> just so I could be there and that have those, those chance encounters with people at a higher level. And right. you know, half the jobs and half of the really fun stuff that I did at Square were because I was there. You know, I was standing by the thing and somebody said something and right. I and I had a comeback or something to add to the conversation. And then they started talking, and we realized we had a few things in common. Oh, that's and, super you know, interesting. And one thing leads to the other, and then you're actually in a position where you can affect change. Right. And that's uh, that's that's huge, and it's so hard because the system just isn't set up to. It's to kind make of a reflection happen. of the drinking culture here, right? Because basically, you go out and drink, quote unquote, drink with people who yep. are working in the industry, like these people, like directors, and so on and so forth. And that's your only chance to get close to them and get familiar with them, and then you become friends, drinking buddies, whatever. And then yep. from there, you can actually approach them where you couldn't before. It's yeah, yeah, you get stuff done. Yeah. Right, right. Is yeah. that um, did that have anything to do with any smoking uh, room stories with you and uh, and Matsuno? Just to segue here into uh, into. <laughs> unsung story because you guys obviously have a special relationship anytime he does almost anything really now these days right uh are you, you are you guys like bffs like BFFs. BFFs. <laughs> uh we are in in pretty constant contact i mean we don't we don't hang that much you guys don't like go bicycling bicycling together <laughs> not, not yet one of these days on a tandem bike nice <laughs> uh <laughs> but um, but we've we've been talking a lot, obviously lately, right. because of uh, unsung story. But you know, over over the years, uh, we just seem to keep coming back. And a lot of it is because I think you know Matsuno is very very good about the people he works with, and when he finds somebody he thinks he can work with, he not only keeps using them mm. but he gives them a lot of leeway mm. and that's why i think you're seeing you see such great art in his games and right. such great music yeah is because he really empowers people around mm. him which is you know one of the things a director needs to do and uh and so that's that's been my experience with him it's just it's very refreshing so for people mm. for people who don't know Matsuno, you probably we talk about him constantly on this podcast but you know final fantasy tactics Vagrant story we talked a bunch about Final Fantasy twelve Ogre Battle Ogre Tactics Battle Ogre. all that all that stuff so Ogre really Battle. well known for tactic the tactics RPG game I know yeah. other games too but this is kind of what the Kickstarter that's going on now Unsung Story Tale of the Guardians um, they uh, it's a tactical RPG the base game you know is a PC game but um, the stretch goals, and I think you guys, I think they just reordered the stretch goals to move up some of the console versions 
Um, and us too, actually. We got moved and up you guys, too. You yeah. guys are the first stretch goal, which we is awesome. The first stretch so, goal. Oh, nice. first, first stretch goal on the podcast, I think, ever. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so true. 600K is the goal. As of this recording, they're, they're already at 400, so that's definitely going to happen. And then, yeah, luckily the first stretch goal there is at 750. That's uh, Alex here and, uh, and his uh, partner, Joseph Reeder, added to the project. So going to be handling that. That looks like a good uh, like a good bet. Then at one million, you've got uh, the Vita version plus uh, Sakimoto doing um, uh, the music. That's um, gotta happen. And then uh, PS4 version at one point two five and blah 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 blah. But um, but yeah, so kind of definitely uh, in his wheelhouse. So he's working about. Do you want to talk about this a little bit? So he's working with a developer in California, mm-hmm. but uh, but this is a uh, a Matsuno project. Yeah, right. Uh, and he's de- not day to day. He said, but he's overseeing everything, kind of. Yeah, he is essentially. I, I mean, a few things, but one way to phrase it would be quality control. Right. And he does. Uh, you know, it was his idea, his game idea, his game world. Mm-hmm. He's going to be writing the story. Most of it, at least. I, I, I don't know the, the actual details, and I think they're still working some of that stuff out. Yeah. But he's bringing that, and then they're going to work on the day-to-day, essentially realizing his vision right. for right. the game. And the people working on this in California are huge Matsuno fans, uh, especially the uh, um, Joel Goodman, the, the CEO of Playdeck. Uh-huh. Big fan since the Vagrant Story days, probably from even before that. And and came from, yeah, that came through in the video a little bit. He was talking about yeah. his fanboyism, I guess, leading to this happening in the first place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and so that's why they talked to him uh, initially. And the other really cool thing is that this is a very, very competent company. At least in iOS, they put out some of the best um, acclaimed titles. The uh, Agricola port Agricola. was them. Is that a board it's, game? It's a board game. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, a fantastic yeah. port to, yeah. to iOS. And uh, Ascension, Ascension, the card Ascension, game. Okay. With the one I heard that I've played a yeah. lot of. Yeah. And so uh, I can't think of a better crew to do that. But they're talking about doing uh, essentially a full-fledged PC version as right. well. Uh, and it's not just this game. They've got plans for, for other stuff. They're talking about the card game. <laughs> like a real right. card game? No, it'll probably be a digital card game oh, like okay. Ascension. Cool. Yeah. Hmm. So just sort of the, the start of this whole thing. So how did you, I, I, were, were you involved from this from the very beginning? Or how did you get in, like, did they come to, did, did Matsuno come to you and be like, hey, I've got this thing, it might be a Kickstarter? Or was it sort of like, I'm working on this game and I come to you with everything and then the Kickstarter came in later? Like, how did you get involved in the project? Uh, I happened to be at the first meeting uh, between Joel and Matsuno. This was in LA. I was there on an s- entirely separate Matsuno project. Oh, okay. And I was actually living in Vermont at the time. So yeah, right. I'd, I'd flown out to help with the recording. Okay. And that's when th- they first met, and I was uh, assisting with the interpretation okay. at the meeting, essentially. And two years later, I think, is when Matsuno came to me and said, we're probably doing this. Wow. We'd like to wow. So this has been in the works for a while. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm. Interesting. And cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, people, people definitely should check that out. Um, it's moving along on a pretty good clip. Um, there's been a bunch of yeah activity and stuff and the updates and and all kinds of stuff. So help help people get there. Give them the eight four bump here to uh, to make sure that 
that this happens and that Alex is involved. Yeah, yeah sure. and for those of you who don't know... It would be or, a Not Snow game if, if Alex, if you didn't end up translating it. I feel so. the same way, but yeah, right. but if you don't know about the 8-4 bump, it's been a while since we've talked about it. Basically, yes. what you do true. is you add 84 cents to your pledge. Or... Which, or eighty four dollars. Eighty four dollars. <laughs> or eighty four hundred dollars. Eight thousand four hundred dollars. <laughs> or eight eighty four dollars and eighty four cents. Or eight hundred forty dollars. Do something to acknowledge that you are supporting this as a fan of A four. But it actually, I think it goes a long way. Republic showed that the that A four bump actually is the only reason Republic is being made. A verified fact by Ryan Payton on this podcast. Was it so, mm-hmm. something like that? He might have been being but, uh, nice to us. <laughs> yeah, he might have been. I think he, probably, he was being generous. But um, uh, well, uh, maybe we should take a quick break. Uh, a quick bio break as they call it and uh and when we come back uh we can do a little a little news uh so stick around And we're back with the news, JJ. News. What is I, that? You're not even trying. I'm just no, trying to. Like I need. I need. What happened to the old? I don't want. I don't want it to be the same thing every time. Yeah. And you know, every other week I'm going to ask right. you to do. From now on, thing. I'm going to sit down. It. I'm going to take time out of my week, and I'm going to think of a new news sound. It should sound like newsy. It's the news. No, not like that. I don't know. I meant more like that. Work out. I'll think of something. All right. Uh, anyway, yeah, so there was, like, we don't have a, a whole ton of time left, uh, and we apologize for that, but there were, like, three stories, JJ, that you're like, we have to talk about yeah, the three stories. stories. People want to hear, uh, like, if they don't hear us talk about this stuff, yeah. they'll be and like... And we want to talk about it. So, first okay, thing... Okay, well, what are, what are the things? Topic one. Nintendo forecasts $335 million operating loss following unimpressive holiday sales. So this is basically what everyone is talking about. Uh, basically, Wii U sales, surprise, surprise, came way under. I, people are acting surprised about this. I feel like we talked about this like a month ago. but I don't know if anybody was surprised. but like Everybody I think most, loves the story, well, though, right? Everyone it's was like... waiting for the official announcement, and now, okay, right. it happened. I guess the surprise, a little surprise for me was that, okay, yeah, Wii U completely bombed. They're totally missing their forecast. Right. Totally understand it. Uh, expected it. 3DS, while it was the best-selling system of last year, actually missed its targets, which that did surprise me a little bit. Yeah. They had outstanding winter games. They must have had pretty high targets because it sold pretty well, didn't it? I it did. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, it was the best-selling system. Several of last Game of the Year, year contenders but, on last year too. Like no joke, 3DS really delivered. But you know, by all accounts, the Wii U is struggling. Uh, has been struggling, um, and that didn't really change over the holiday season. Mario didn't, um, I guess, change that. Um, and so yeah, so everybody is jumping in, and with the old standby, 
<clears throat> which uh, actually Wired did, a, Chris Kohler did a good story on, I think, today, how kind of stupid and lazy the old, like, right. oh, just put your games out on a smartphone, Nintendo, is, you know, when you actually parse it down, like, okay, so you're going to play Super Mario 3 on an iPhone? No, like, but you might play work? you might play Brain Training. You might play Rhythm 10, Goku. Yeah, the, 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 there are other... Um, uh, Examples of games, yeah. WarioWare. You could make a My- iOS built from the ground up WarioWare game. If they still have the license for Taboo, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> taboo. I'm going to tell you right now what needs to happen. It's never going to happen. Nintendo needs to buy Sony. That's what needs to happen. That would be the perfect world. I thought you were going to say Nintendo make their own cell phone. Well, that we've we've said that a million times. No already. one's talking about that. Anymore. I do think but that's still an option because I was actually thinking about this. Okay. Uh, this morning, Nintendo comes out with a cell phone like mm-hmm. next month. Are you going to, you have to, you know, get yeah. a carrier plan and whatever. Throw Are you actually going to make that your real, regular, full cell phone? Probably not, but I would be one of those you, idiots. John Riccardi, no. huge Nintendo fan, number one, mm. right? No, but I'd put like a Che and have like my iPhone and then like, you know, he has a, well, actually he got rid of his Microsoft phone, but he used to have the Microsoft phone as well, right? Just to yeah. have it. Like yeah. I'd probably have it just to have it. Okay, but, but just to continue down this road uh-huh. a little bit. If you are going to buy one as a second phone, but not your own phone, right? Like, what hope? What's the pur- does right, it have? Right, it doesn't. In being, in making, you know, in being competitive, even partnering with like a major carrier. Well, partnering with like Apple or something partnering potentially with would make sense to me. Outside of partnering, God forbid they go Android. I'll just have to. I'm going to have to leave the game industry. But what you're saying is a Nintendo iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> right. You would buy and make your regular phone, but outside of that, I think that's probably what we all think. Like a, an iPhone with buttons somehow would presumably be. I, yeah, it's a tough call. Phone. Why, does, why does it have to be mobile? IPhone. I don't. I don't really understand. Like, why does it have to be mobile? Yeah, mobile. Like people that's are doing a, big things in mobile. If but you like, stop and think about it, that's not a smart question because the future is mobile. Like the, our, our, no, our everything here. that we do in the future is going to be mobile. The I point, mean, it's moving in that direction. The point is, it's something that. Millions and millions and millions of people will have on their person at all right. times of the but day. But that's not so the only option Nintendo has. Like it, it could be a game and watch branded watch that's now games and magical other things. Stop. I think if you what really think about it, it you tell me. It's here's what, here's the crazy thing. What if the sim- what if the best answer is the simplest answer, which is after thinking about all these different possibilities, they come back to you know what? We should just make a console that is as powerful as or more powerful than the PS4 and Xbox and put it out. And like that's it. Actually, get competitive. What, what yeah. if like actually just okay? Look, we don't have to be different and weird and whatever. Let's just do what everyone else is doing, but do it better. And go after third parties again. Take a little bit of a loss. Well, the thing is, they wouldn't even have to go after third parties if they actually did everything the same as the other guys. They they haven't done that in years and years. Like, but they would ha- they would have to go after know. third parties because you still have to you have to have the Skyrims of the world on your system. You have to have the Call of Duties on your right, system. Right, but in this day and age, though, like that's not necessary. It's not like I mean, I, as far as I know, Sony doesn't pay for exclusives, right? Microsoft, I think still does but like generally the the idea of like paying for people to be exclusive is going away so I'm as long as you're paying for it right but as long as you your hardware is comparable you have to, be, to the other ones yeah why would you not do it? why would you not want to be on the system that has all the nintendo franchises as well and has the same hardware essentially as a ps4 or a pc well, or an and Xbox. we all thought that was supposed to be the reasoning behind the wii u right that it was supposed to have parity at least with the three the with the last gen, gen but I think people quickly found we even figured this out when we worked on the Mighty Number no. 9 Kickstarter a little bit to some extent right is like at first we were like this gen this gen but then we're like no actually by the time this game is out next gen next gen you know like I think like in the same sense it's like next gen is really 
why Wii U is not succeeding. If Wii U was the same power as PS4 and Xbox One, I still think it'd be weird because of the controller, but I think they'd be in way better shape than they are and now. And you think third-party games would just come out for it? Yeah, absolutely. why not, right? It's a, if it's as simple as using like a, a, an engine that you can port to all these different platforms relatively easily, the only extra thing on Wii U, and I agree this is still a problem, but would be like programming an extra shit for the controller, which is weird and unnecessary. But... Otherwise, I think I mean, you'd still I, do it. I think that's an option, but I, you know, I think it's a little bit more simple than that. I think it's just that, like, you know, they could do a Skylanders Pokemon. That's something that could definitely generate shitloads of revenue for. But them. that's not going to turn the Wii U's t- fortunes around. Like, it may or may a, not. A single game, and you know, a lot of talks about this. There could be a single game that we don't know about that could totally right. turn it turn Soft, it all around. Software is where. But I don't see gonna... them trying. I don't see them swinging. Right. I don't see them going up. It. I see. I see very good. I see good games. Yes. Solid games, but I see games like. Mario 3D World and Zelda Wind Waker HD and Donkey Kong and games that are like, okay, I'm going to play this. I'm probably going to enjoy these games. Yeah. But is this like the the swinging for the fences? Is this the game that could, you know, like, you know, you probably are going to fail. But Nintendo has a pretty good track record with when they actually break out of the box and try these new things. At least they did with DS of actually having them succeed but i don't see them trying and it's been years now that we've been talking about this and it's like okay well what is the thing that's going to i don't doubt that they're trying i think that thing is not doesn't exist they're trying maybe in the remember we talked about this a couple years ago we were like it's holograms or whatever is the next thing like it's got to be something (laughs) crazy like that that really blows things open because otherwise we're all human we've all thought of a lot of things unless they're aware of some technology we're all not aware of like what can they really do that it could be a game and what i'm saying is not weird technology but, like, for example, if Minecraft didn't exist and yeah. Nintendo had come up with Minecraft, right. that would make, that alone would be like a Mario 64, where it would at least guarantee right. the system a certain level exactly. of success. One game, you know, like a... Maybe, uh, maybe but not, not like enough. Daisy, but software like, is king. Mr. Uh, Yamauchi himself said <laughs> that software sells Bless systems. His soul. And if, that is the truth. Like, they need killer software. It is software. the truth, but they're, they're, they're also, sell. they're handicapping themselves, especially with this system, with that controller. Like, that... that tablet controller has turned out to be a horrible mistake i think like there's no way around it really yeah maybe i mean i, I think know. it's it's also at the same time anybody who bought has bought one has bought one because of that right i mean yeah. i don't know you could argue that the the not making ports as easy as they were supposed to be for third parties is a mistake they could be doing mistake, a lot more or? too i mean you know you mentioned wind waker hd but in my mind what is wind waker hd someone took the dolphin emulator and 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 basically could do that right you could be doing that with all their classic took games six months you could be doing like putting the virtual console could have like a million more games than it has they could be doing a lot of things to make the system more appealing and they're right. not which so makes sense i, I just want to see them trying i just want to see them taking risks and 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 going out there and there's going to be so there's going to be a uh uh meeting i guess press conference a week from today right the 30th yeah um i mean i don't know if anything big is going to be announced there but i mean i do think that i think it has to be they're shaking up a little bit the stock is of course taking a hit um they gotta at least like throw out like a subscription service for virtual console they've thrown out some quotes lately right that make make it sound like they're moving towards unconventional new you know paths or whatever Try things stuff. and i i i fully hope slash expect i kind of don't want to say expect because then nothing's going to happen but i kind of feel like next week at that thing you're talking about some some big shit needs to drop like they need to finally be like Look. i don't know i think that's what like joe internet expects i know but, happen, but but it has really to they're gonna but, but, well, i'm only basing that based on the quotes that he wanted i don't have them right. in front of me but he has been saying some things that make you think like they are 
He's saying that we're going to have to change Nintendo's general strategy. I mean, things can't change in like the last two months, but between now and E3, there really has to have been plans in place. I'm sure there have been. This is their third straight. They have to finally start coming to fruition. I'm thinking there has been, though. This is their third straight loss quarter, right? So they've probably been seeing the writing on the wall for a right, while. Right. No, they, and, they, they, and they have. That's what I, that's my point. Yeah. Like there had to have been plans started like So surely like ago. they started development on some crazy new shit like loafers that have heaters in them. <laughs> what? I don't know, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that, that, I'd buy that. That kills it. Time time to move on to the next well. story. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about this this like Xbox uh, one payola thing with well, the cinema? I'm, I'm a little interested in this because you guys used to work in the press, yeah, but the this press. This is like YouTube guys. Well, but like, didn't this stuff used to happen not in like the the bigger name places? No, but, like, honestly, the fan no, sites. no. Not I, I swear to God, it is not like actually. now that we're out completely. Like, there's no reason not to even like to hide it if there were a reason. Like, never ever has anyone come to us in my experience anyway and like tried to buy us out. Like, usually it would get probably if that happened, I would assume it got to the ad people and that was it. It was blocked from us. Like, I've if never only had would happen on this podcast. We would take that money <laughs> right. in a second. Um, so, uh, for people who don't know, so basically, let's just sum it up. There's so much. Talk. I don't even it's, know. It's, I really, it's a really confusing story. Well, I was reading the yeah. fucking contract this morning. Like, <laughs> wait, the contract. You know, you know you have a problem. Yeah. You find yourself reading like non-disclosure Legal. agreements right. between like Machinima and their YouTube agents. I mean, it's not to say that it's not an important story, but it I feel is. like people who are more educated about it are talking about it. Basically, uh, let me try to sum this up. So there was a there was a deal where if you're a YouTube guy. You get paid like three dollars every thousand views for talking well about the Xbox One yes. through Machinima for at least two minutes. Affiliate program. You had okay. to have video of the game within the first minute, and you had There's to all these stipulations. The game like name. there probably are these things probably happen yeah. a lot, but Don't the weird the one bugs. this time was yeah you can't uh, talk bad about it. And then there's kind of apparently like a cover-up. It was like, oh, no, that thing's in our contract all the time. And everyone looked at it. It's like, no, actually, it's not. And they're like, no, actually, you're right. That got changed. <laughs> we don't really know how, why that, that one happened? clause. And actually, it's against FTC regulations. You have to be saying if you're right. being sponsored or... Really? Yeah, yeah, they're running afoul of all these actual like, like real laws, not yeah. just like internet troll laws <laughs> the, the most, vigilante the most interesting laws. part of this story to me is like who at I guess presumably Microsoft or whatever thought this was ever going to fly and not get out like, well apparently well, it's very commonplace but, but you don't even know I mean that it's Microsoft that it came from or what the hell happened mm. somewhere it well, seems like something somewhere along the lines people are 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 not either don't know the whole story or not being truthful but it's not it's not clear that it's this nefarious like ha 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 we're going to trick the world by our <laughs> youtube like angry joe on youtube is going it's to all major nelson's fault to he's responsible for everything well, i mean it is kind of major nelson it's like you know you in, employ a bunch of no-name dudes on youtube to upload fucking videos of xbox games saying like i fucking love xbox right give me three dollars per thousand hits and that's gonna get a lot of hits it's gonna buy my taco bell I, but you know that's you fill enough shit up in youtube and people will when they search for xbox one that's what they're gonna see and there your advertising works. So that's two. Tell me your third news story is the one that I want to hear about. Yes. Um, is and it- I just wanted to say I fucking love Xbox One. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Ching. 
three dollars. Because we have three thousand listeners. Uh, Candy Crush. <laughs> it is all right. Yes. Candy Crush Saga. That's what I wanted to talk about. It. Um, so I haven't been following this as much as you guys. I have some highlighted news here. <laughs> I um, but the maybe <laughs> one of you just wanted. Yeah, it's basically the whole news story is highlighted. <laughs> right. Uh, thanks to Polygon for most of our news. We have some from Kotaku, some from yes. NeoGAF, as usual. Basically, so they filed. I mean, this started off as a story about the uh, Banner Saga, right? That uh, I think it started. Well, it started out, with, out as the King.com guys who make Candy Crush yes. uh, trademarking the word candy. Okay, that, so this is the start. Okay, because <laughs> yes. I was like, wait, what? So, so apparently, it still has to go through some hoops, but they could be granted exclusive rights to use the word candy in apparel, <laughs> video games, gambling services, amusement park, computer hardware, and more. Which seems unbelievably to me. Conceivably, Candyland could yeah. be like sent a season assist. You'll see and D by these guys. Um, Girls named Candy, strippers named Candy around the world are <laughs> shaking in their, their poles. Their high heels. Um, the dude in the Seahawks who used Skittles, he's going to have to change to something yeah, else. That's right. Um, yeah, so this whole thing just sounds completely ridiculous, and I would hope is the sort of like. That ed- that edge guy who yeah. had the fucking word edge, but he was like a legitimate douche. What this sounds like is like there's still a. Po- I'm I'm holding out hope that there's a possibility. What this is is just a legal department that is like not talking to right. the rest of the yeah. people. You know what I mean? Right. And they're just gonna like, oh, this got out of control. Let's just stomp it out now. That's like the last hope for these guys. Yeah, because I guess they've been saying like, oh no no no, you're cool, Banner Saga guys. Like just use that name and you're fine. But the lawsuit's kind of still there, and they're like, uh, yeah. So they're oh, like, I hadn't even seen that part. It's weird. So they're they like, backed off we're, a not, we're bit. not trying to keep people from using the saga name, but we're. Kind of they sent the cease and desist to those guys, yeah. saying that because they have the word saga in their name, right. you know, it's, it's like right. it's it's people it's are going to somehow confuse this game with their candy puzzle it's, game. It's, and it's, it's like it's are weird. You double speak. Me? The funny thing is, and somebody posted this on Gaff all the games if you search for you know candy crush in the ios store the ios store is just basically like a you know uh, thailand like a gray market in thailand it's just like <laughs> every rip off every combination of words right. every like very much looks like it uh, a piece of art and stuff like that there's just like 20 games that are yeah. all totally puzzle games that rip off you know I mean, not that the mechanic is anything. Right. The irony right. being, Candy Unique, Crush Saga is a ripoff of. Bejeweled. I know. I know. Is a ripoff of Bejeweled. Bejeweled. Yeah. But you know the the oh, Candy Crush. The, oh, yeah, man, it's so upsetting. I mean, I really hope this gets stomped out quickly, and and you know they lay off about this sort of thing because it's ridiculous for them to like think that they can just come out of nowhere and like start suing all these people or or whatever for using names when they're just like yeah, some cheap little puzzle game that yeah. like. Well, I mean, it's like the you know, it it's making shitloads of money. No, it is. Yeah, I know, but that doesn't don't abuse your power and your influence. You know, go after people who are legitimately ripping off your right, game for right, sure. Right. But don't go after guys like the guys who do the Banner Saga. Yeah, like, no, come on. it's 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 like out of control. I want to play that sure. game, by the way, Banner Saga. Yeah, it looks really good, actually. Looks like a really fucking cool. Yeah, game. I haven't seen any reviews yet of that. Uh, the Broken Age. I've, I mean, the buzz on Broken Age, anyway, at least is really good. Speaking of Kickstarter, yeah, so I really want to play that. Excited to check that out. Um, Banner Saga, I think, got reviewed by Polygon, and they gave it a really good score. They gave it an 8.5 or something. Okay. Cool. Um, Steam controller changing. Apparently, they rearranged that stupid button configuration. They got rid of the real buttons or something, right? They got rid of the touchscreen, which I'm kind of surprised about. Yeah, they say it's kind of redundant. Uh, So, Hmm. they... Huh. Interesting. Maybe more changes coming there. They showed the first Steam boxes, which look awful. Like completely. we talked about those. Oh, last yeah, week. yeah. Sorry, I didn't listen last week. Series yet. Okay. of <laughs> I won't say. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, they talked actually about the Steambox on the Bombcast more last week, and yeah. after listening, I was kind of like, yeah, what the hell are they doing with that, with that <laughs> thing? Because it's like, it's so expensive that you might as well get a PC and be able to run other stuff. It's really not running that many games right. at this point. Like, it's a real long-term strategy. It's for, it's for people who like to tinker right now. I, I think. feel like Steam should exercise. You got a PC. Right. Exercise a little bit of quality control and give people an option that's going to attract, like me, like the people who don't already own the gaming PCs. That's PC who they should dummies, be going basically. after. Yeah. Yeah. PC for dummies with good. interchangeable Appeal parts. Appeal to basically, console people. Like, and whatever Razer is doing, that thing that can like, swap out your video card. Yeah. Here, chum, Just to put the... Um, Alienware Steam machines are unupgradable. Yeah, and will be released <laughs> annually. Wow, really? Yeah, Jesus Christ! That's all the more reason what we were just saying. Thirteen hundred dollars a year to play console games. Smart. Um, I don't know why a news story about someone bidding twelve hundred dollars for Finnish language. Uh, because we NES like to, we, we like to talk about collectible video games. Apparently, somehow and this is like this. This manual is a sheet of paper with like text printed onto it. And it's being sold for twelve hundred dollars because okay. it's in Finnish. Wait, that is pretty amazing. I yeah. just uh, it, big Draculas, Dra- Dracula, Bram Stoker's. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like oh, even a good Bram Stoker's Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula, <laughs> one page instruction booklet. Wow, twelve hundred dollars just because it was in Finnish. Hey, there's a lot so of money up there. It's right legit, now. I guess. It was in the box. Well, room. some people are saying you know it's hard to tell because there's really literally nothing to tell you that this is real because it's wow. it's just text. Uh, finally. And uh, I, I'm glad I yes, did our final story. I knew you put this down as the final story. <laughs> yeah. Finally, yes. after thousands and thousands of years with the same old chess right. game, so boring, am I right? Yes, chess. Yes. Come on, it's like my grandfather played <laughs> chess 2, the sequel. <laughs> yes, what? finally is coming. Yes, to Ouya. <laughs> Yeah, the, <laughs> that's the best part. Chess two, the sequel. It's actually just called Chess two, the sequel. Yeah, uh, will be available for the Ouya on January twenty second, according to Eurogamer. It offers a spin on the classic board game by giving players the choice of six different armies rather than one set of pieces. Oh my goodness, that's a boring right. set of pieces. That's right. Fuck those old boring <laughs> pieces. Um, so yeah, um, it relies so much less on quote. Less on memorized openings and more on positional plays. I don't know what the fuck that means. And it's free to play online. I think the real news story here is that Ouya is still around. Yeah. Wow. Struggling, (laughs) limping, limping along. I think Chess 2 is is the one to turn it around. Um, (laughs) Until, what, two weeks from now? Everybody plays chess. Uh, When we come back, back in two weeks, Nintendo might own Sony. They might have their own cell phone. Who knows? It's an exciting time. I'm so disappointed at this very boring, dry earnings The Seahawks may have won their first I want to see Iwata come out with a new haircut. And like a leather jacket or something. It was like, this is the new Nintendo. And then like a guitar. Like he goes, doesn't show Whoa! anything else. He just, that's it. Yeah. Um, and then walks off stage. <laughs> yes. I would hope he burns an effigy of Luigi at this yes, point. That's, it's all Luigi's fault. <laughs> um, uh, so we talked a lot about Kickstarters. Speaking of Kickstarters, um, one other awesome one out there for you to support. Yes. Uh, is uh, our friends at Area 5 have Outerlands Season 1. So a series of... Really awesome uh, video game documentaries that those guys are going to do. There's a really cool sample 
um, at the site. So you know, these are this is one up show guys, co op guys. They they did uh, the Last of Us documentary. They did the Street Fighter 25th anniversary documentary. Mm. Really good guys do amazing work. Um, so definitely check that out. Outer Lens um, can't miss it. Give them the A4 bump. Yeah, um, I am extremely disappointed that that has not met its goal already. Like, where did all the one-up show lovers and I mean, well, it's doing good. They're they're you know, no, it is doing half okay. Of the first week, but yeah, that is the sort of thing where you're like, this should be at a million dollars. If like that doesn't get day, funded, you know? I almost want to take out my life savings and finish the funding because it looks amazing. It looks <laughs> yeah, so good. Totally. It's gonna it be, to be it's gonna be awesome. It's de- it's gonna it's happen, so right. and uh, it is gonna happen. It is, it is gonna, gonna be happen. really cool. So, but be a part of it and, uh, and tell them you want one of their episodes to be them coming to Japan to that's right Japanese some. Stuff. Some of their stretch goals are more episodes and stuff like that. I think anyone who watches the sample will totally be sold. So um, uh, definitely check that out, Outer Lens. And um, anything else we're forgetting that we promise people? Interns, we're always looking for interns. Yes, JJ, we have some hopefuls. Yeah, things are looking good. Excellent, but we could always use more meat. Fresh meat. Um, yeah, you, one of the things you'd be doing is editing this very podcast. Yes. Um, so yeah, learn. Ever wanted to learn how to edit a podcast? Hey, JJ can teach you for five dollars an hour. Um, it's cheap. Wait, who's paying who five dollars an hour? They're paying me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just to be clear, that is an unpaid intro. <laughs> Unless JJ starts paying you, it's um, paid to me. So yes. yeah, you can send uh, letters of inquiry or interest or whatever to info at eight four dot jp. Yes. Otherwise, uh, oh, you can uh, tell. Sorry, we also uh, last week posted our big New oh. Year's card post. That's right. Our where New Year's cards up. from around the industry uh, go to our website at 8 We did not get one from Alex O. Smith, by the way, did we? I don't think what we did. What the hell is up with that? We had some printer difficulties. Very insulting. <laughs> Very insulting. <laughs> um, but uh, you can go to our website and check that out at 8-4.jp. It'll be the post right under the post for this podcast, so it'll be really easy to find. Uh, while you're talking about that, you want to tell people where they can talk about the show, find the show? That's what I was, I was going right into. Do it. Uh, and you can find us at our second home at uh, giantbomb.com, um, as well as the thread on EOGAF. Uh, iTunes. You can da- download our shit off of iTunes. And like fucking five star it and shit and like uh <laughs> yeah thug life <laughs> yeah thug life I am about that life guys believe it or not uh, you're just gonna leave me hanging we passed now, your bedtime <laughs> <laughs> wait I th- isn't there more for you to say that's um, not all of it I think that's no it. we you got a on Twitter, Twitter oh Twitter's yeah we got a Twitter how many times have we done this JJ dude it's it's late all right you've got a minute while we do our Twitter names to think of what the final quote is unless Alex wait is Alex come is up the guest he's got all right so. he's probably been thinking I about still have something to say too but let's get around the Twitter things real quick okay so I'm uh, uh, SBRSK uh, Mark McD. I'm Aokaja, A-O-K-A-J-I-Y-A. Kotowari. And I am John TV. And we are uh, at 8-4-Play. Um, John, you said you were going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say that it's super awesome of Alex to come on the show. Um, yes. Something yes. I, we don't, uh, we're, since we've been inside baseballing the whole show, I'm going to say another thing too. But, you know, typically, you know, it's not like, if you, if you really want to go down on paper, Alex is essentially a quote-unquote competitor right to to eight four and, and that he does the same thing as we do and so on and so forth but we don't see him as that we see him as someone else who's doing some really freaking awesome work and yeah. you should support those guys absolutely um, yes not only in the kickstarter but in the work that they do with the games they translate they also have their bento books uh thing that you guys do too right where you're translating stuff 
Um, we didn't really talk about that much, but um, yeah, plug but to, plug yourself basically. Can find yeah, more more stuff about you plug, and, yeah. and the different projects and stuff like that. Yeah, well, uh, you can just search me on the web. Uh, make sure you put web. the World Wide Webs. They have those <laughs> surf, out there. Surf the web to your surf website. The web. Exactly. Uh, probably the easiest way is just to search for my name, but you have to write the whole thing out. You have to write O in there. Alexander right? O. Smith. Alex there's a lot. There's even a lot of Alexander O. Smith. So, oh, really? Yeah, at least more than more than me. Uh, there's a few. There's a football player there's a dj right it gets exciting alex smith vagrant there's always i was trending anywhere. on twitter actually uh really yeah a couple <laughs> weeks ago but it wasn't me it was the quarterback oh that's too bad yeah yeah i got some tweets for it though nice uh yeah no thanks for having me on guys of course uh, man yeah it's yeah. great um you know we really love what you do like we respect what you do to the highest like keep up the awesome work definitely yeah right back at you <laughs> and uh and actually we won't be competitors as of tomorrow because i'm going to be exclusively translating into finnish oh because no, that's yeah. where all the, the money is that's where to clearly, yeah. clearly nice the wrong start language yes. 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 like let's go yeah. back and just start translating any shitty nes game right. construction <laughs> in, the, in the finish awesome um, i also have a last minute news story that literally literally went up like 10 seconds ago um, all right. someone was messaging me i was hoping they would get this up in time but um so a bunch of guys around the game industry who who write for like RP Gamer and mm. Tiny Cartridge and uh, a bunch of other sites that cover handheld. I like games. how you call it RP Gamer and not well, RPG I, Gamer. Well, it's one G. It's like GIF and it GIF, is one right? G. It's like I mean, RIP and peace. No, but yeah, it's not like GIF and GIF. There's a right way to say that. And we right. all know what it is. But yeah. if it was RPG Gamer, it would be two Gs, right? No. Yes, it would. No. <laughs> we'll let them write in and tell us how to pronounce their name. But uh, anyway, a bunch of guys from the industry got together and started this thing this year called the Gumpei Yokoi Memorial Handheld Gaming Awards. Oh, I thought that um, was a joke. It's not a joke. It's, it's a bunch of legit um, industry people who cover handheld games. Like I said, the tiny oh, nice. guys. I don't have the whole list of who it is, but um, they just put up their awards. And uh, let me look at this and make sure I'm not reading this wrong. But the winner for Handheld Gaming Excellence. Yeah. Of 2013 was Fire Emblem Awakening. Oh, nice! Yeah, do entirely and, uh, to us and not at all from the <laughs> do. Do you hear people that? who made the game? Second place was the Legend of Zelda: A Link Between Worlds. Uh, third place was Animal Crossing: yes. New Leaf. Fourth place was Tearaway. Roy. Fifth place was Guacamelee. <laughs> but uh, yeah, even I'm, I'm skimming this obviously because we're literally getting this like 10 seconds after it went up. But they, I even see a mention of us in the uh, in the in the write-up. So, oh, cool. Yeah, nice. super awesome. Thanks to those Thanks, guys. guys. If you haven't played Fire Emblem, play it. It's awesome. Yeah, actually, I saw uh, everyone. And thanks, while, guys. Somebody new uh, picks it up finally or gets around to playing it because it, it came out. There was a lot of stuff coming out. Mm. And uh, yeah, like uh, Lick, from, Lick Chan from uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff was playing it and had, had some really cool, interesting things to say about it about playing as a girl, too, um, after playing as a guy. Um, so check out his blog. But yeah, thanks as always to all those people. And thank you, seriously, Alex, very much for coming on. Uh, definite big honor. Um, and uh, we hope to have you back uh, yeah. more, maybe talking about uh, about uh, Unsung uh, Story once you guys are, are ripping along. Um, but uh, until then, so we typically have the guest of the podcast. We give them the last word, and it can be like a callback it can be like a pithy expression whatever you like it could be a winter heat uh voice acting <laughs> yes. i don't know uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. it could be it could be my line from the jurassic park arcade game oh okay. which is something like you have two shots to hit the hook <laughs> beautiful I, I think uh i'm invincible is, uh, yes i like the it. correct quote that's good per- perfectly awesome <laughs> 
think he's got maximum pink. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby's the one. He comes to ride, back that chop. He comes to ride, back that chop. Give it all that you got. Take your very best shot. Cause then you ride, back that chop for sure. Yeah. How can I help you, King DDD? I need a monster to claw, but I dare Kirby. That's what we do best at NME. You better get it with a money back guarantee. Size of a 